welcome to the 64th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club, where we drink and we read things. This episode features We Contain Multitudes by Sarah Henstra. Discussion of the book starts at the 14th minute. Spoilers are between the 1 hour and 1 hour 54 minute marks. We touch on the multiple issues we had while reading this book, specifically with the setup and execution of telling the story through letters between the two characters, as well as some of the events and actions that happen throughout their relationship. We finish with our usual segments and touch on pen pals that we've had in the past. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Welcome to the 64th episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell. She is Taja. Hey there. Hello and welcome back everybody to the podcast where we drink and we read things. And on this episode we read We Contain Multitudes by Sarah Henstra. But before we get to that, it has been two weeks. We have made it through the holidays for the most part. Taja, what is going on in your life? Oh boy. Um, okay. So the day that we recorded our special bonus episode, I got to go visit with my friend, Emily, who lives in bad Emily, in bad Emily. I've talked about her many times. Um, she's an avid listener of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I got to see her and her boyfriend and her little brother who I haven't seen in ages. It's not very little now and her dad. And, um, yeah, it was nice catching up with her for a little bit. And, I completed my 2023 Goodreads book challenge, whatever it is. I read, yay! I ended up reading 70 out of 65 books because I kind of Apple Watch style cheated at the end. Not really. I read all the books or I listened to the books, but I did choose very short ones. So I was proud of myself for that. And let's see, we did... A little trip to New Jersey where we saw Barry's brothers and parents and their collective nine children. So nieces and nephews. Their collective baseball team team children. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're all really cute kids. The it was nice to see everybody. Um, the kids are exhausting. <laughs> like the two sets of twins, they're so much fun, but they're like very high energy and at one point we we're standing around talking all the adults were the kids are just doing their like thing and then my mother-in-law was like and Taja and I we're gonna get like I don't know what the game is called but it's basically like you run around and chase them and grab them and I was like we we are we're, do- we're doing that <laughs> and so I did that like for a while after my mother-in-law stopped doing it <laughs> And um, the kids were so funny. You would like chase them and then they'd like wait there for you to grab them. And they had these Nerf guns and they were like, shoot me, shoot me with the Nerf gun. Yeah. So kids are fun when you can like leave them. Yes, that is the best part. But yeah, it was great to see everybody. Uh, We had some good food and some good conversations. And Barry and I went to the mall that's like near his brother's house in New Jersey, which like is massive and huge and it was really tough even finding a parking spot and then yeah we came home on new year's eve drove home and then we were like i don't know if we'll make it to midnight we did i was very proud of us and then we promptly went to bed and we didn't really do anything we were just like watching tv 
I did a lot of car crochet on the way to Jersey. I made two hats. No, a hat and a scarf. Nice. When you said that, I was like, she's crocheting cars now? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, no, I am crocheting in the car. It's a great way to pass the like six hour ride. I've seen that on the Instagram. A lot of people yeah. see like what they can make and their travel however much time yeah no it was it was very convenient though my hands did start to cramp up and I was like I need to take a break we also listened to the murder bot books I listened to them again because I wanted Barry to hear them and then we were in my car and the bluetooth sucks and you can't it's like there's something wrong with the sound and the speakers so like when you're playing something it has to be on like thirty-three volume level gross don't listen to this part leave that out bleep it out you can't hear it. And then sometimes it'll be like yelling. I hate it. Anyway. And the other big news is yesterday we bought ourselves a PS5. What? Nice. Which I'm very excited about. We got, we asked for Costco gift cards for Christmas and we were able to not pay for the PlayStation and all of our other Costco groceries last night. And it was lovely. Nice. Um, and then the other thing is this Udi. That's that what I- they're called? An Udi? An Udi, O-O-D-I-E, yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a hoodie, but without the H, I don't know. Anyway, it's the most comfortable thing ever, and I think I will live in it all cold weather long. <laughs> yeah, you've now uh, gone into the bathrobe stage of pandemic that Jay used to live in, so that's that's where you're at right now. Yes, mine will be cleaner. <laughs> nice. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I nice. was going to make a harsher joke, but that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> Fair. You are burying the lead, though, Tasha. Because you also got the internet. <gasps> That's right. I did bury the lead. We got the internet. How's the internet? It seems good. So actually, <laughs> when we set up our PS5 last night, you can like transfer all the stuff from your PS4 to it. And so we did that. It was saying it was going to take 99 plus hours to do thing, And we were like, that is like four days. <laughs> it didn't take that long luckily and then like today we were running errands and i was like how long do you think it would have taken to do that transfer on our old internet which only had like an upload or download speed or whatever of like 10 yeah Yeah. Yeah. so we're at like two gigs now it feels faster like i haven't very streaming something well he's napping but the tv is on i'm on zoom call like i could probably very easily also be googling things and it doesn't yeah it's it's game changing it's incredible. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to broadband. Welcome to the broadband. For me, I've got a small kind of taste of everything that you did. We did Christmas with Amanda's family where we have, I know this, we have six nieces and nephews or niece and five nephews. And I got just a little taste of it with the three-year-old who is super cute, but the three-year-old and the two-year-old love the cat even though she mm. hates everything and they were obviously here. So the cat was upstairs on her chair. I and the three-year-old wanted to pet her and they didn't want him to go upstairs. So I was like, I'll go upstairs with them. Like, how long can he have interest in a cat? 15 really minutes long. later, I was like, let's go downstairs. Fuck this. I don't want to be the only adult <laughs> sitting here while you pet the cat. Like, Jesus Christ. And she was really good, which was weird in its own way. But we did, uh, we played games. So it was cool. We did Christmas right. Uh, this was our half Christmas where everyone did Christmas on their own. And then they came over and we did desserts and games. Right. Uh, so that was nice. We're supposed to have a full Christmas tomorrow or Sunday. Sorry. This is like the last of the Christmases, man. but we talked them out of dinner. So instead we're going to do appetizers and desserts and games. Love that. I think that's how we're going to do parties moving forward because cooking for everyone is just such a nightmare. 
Also, ah. just like snacks are great. And by the time you app, yeah, dinner, everyone's like, full. No one's gonna eat dinner. Way too much yeah. stuff. That's also where this Moscato came from because my sister in law is great at just leaving the shit she brought. She tried to leave her Jello. She is in love with Jello. I don't know why, but she tried to leave like a sheet pan of Jello that the kids have been picking out of. And I was a like, sheet hey, pan of Jello. <laughs> yeah, do it. She works. She had the idea that they could use like uh, cookie cutters to like jello jiggler out of it uh, okay. but instead the kids just were like taking spoonfuls and handfuls of jello yeah it's disgusting As and she do. tried to try to leave that mess at my house uh, nope so that was upsetting but yeah so we've got our last christmas before christmas fest coming on sunday but we're supposed to get weather so we may or may not delay that we'll see what happens um aside from that we also had a quiet new year's where i was doing my goodreads challenge and i had to read that final book and I was like splitting it up where I would like take breaks and whatever. Long story long, I ended up finishing the book at 11.40 p.m. Just made it. Like there was thought where I was like, maybe I'll just say like, I'll finish it tomorrow. And I'll just say I finished it today, but whatever. So then we got ready for bed and I lay in bed and I like just can't stay awake. And I tell Amanda, I'm going to bed. It's 11.57. And she's like, there's three minutes left, Russell. And I, I fought for three minutes. Those sleep demons. You laid you laid in bed prior to midnight. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but like that's a recipe for totally falling. Like, which was fine. I really okay, didn't okay. care. You're yeah. certainly not doing yourself any favors if you're trying to stay up. No, I really didn't care, but uh, Amanda apparently did. So, New Year's happened. We're like, Happy New Year's. I was asleep at twelve o two. I think it was just <laughs> that quick. It was that good. Definitely not like the rambunctious. I think the last party we did was the one we celebrated like in three other time zones as well. Where I maybe oh, not yeah. you guys, but we're like we just stayed up and like it was like now the ball's dropping in central now it's mountain time it was uh, very different but someday yeah. we get back to those well, days now. and aside from that we did uh, Sunish and Sully came up because they still love that New Year's tradition but Sully was working on New Year's and Sunish actually was going to a wedding in Miami so they came up earlier that week and we got to jam which was the first time in like ten months probably since I've used the drum kit so that was nice. And just got to hang out, played some cool games, got a new one that I want to try with you guys, this game that Soonish brought. He's like, he's very Ben, where he finds like very different games. Different games, yeah. are almost always fun. Is uh, this like a, a like a physical game? Like board it's game cards. style? Okay, yeah. cards. So it's, it's not like, like something you like. No, no, no. But it's like their own. It's a deck of cards, like specific cards. Oh. Uh, it's, called, it's called Saboteur. And I can oh, see it being fun. very contentious and, and angry. It was a little bit hard with three because at most only one of you was trying to sabotage. So uh, it's kind of easy to tell who it was when you have so more it's better people. with more people. Yeah. yeah it could be okay. different. So that's why I want to try it. So I'm thinking about yeah. picking that up. And also aside from that, if you didn't listen to it and you're listening to this, we released a bonus episode where we covered two terrible Christmas kind of holiday books that Taja found with Nerd. And this is the part where we pause the podcast and say... Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Nern! Because it is your birthday as we are recording. Birthday. So uh, Taja had found two of those books while they were together, two different ones, and then we covered them. And it was, uh, I think, pretty good episode. So go back and listen to that if you haven't. We also had a special opening with Sully because he was here. And, live uh, recorded. Live recorded it. So check out the awesome audio quality of that. <laughs> Yeah, and aside from that, we're just preparing for a snowstorm this weekend. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that we'll be able to skate tomorrow before the snow comes. But uh, we'll see. That uh, that tournament is vast, is quickly approaching. So yeah. we got to get some ice time in. Um, I did skate with my niece, though, during Christmas break. 
Uh, she's doing a learn to skate program that starts next week. So my brother wanted to get her out there to just give her a little warm up. Uh, How old is she now? She's going to be eight in February. Oh, wow. Okay. And I will tell you those like learners, their trainers they have are pretty cool. Like I might go back and use one of those because I can really? try to learn like advanced techniques Moves. without falling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I was like sliding all over the place and doing dumb stuff, but because she kept not wanting it, I'm like, all right, this thing, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> so that was. Is cool. it like a little walker, like a little? Yeah, like, basically, yeah, like, but it's solid plastic, so it's, okay. there's a lot there. It's like when, like, at the skating rink near me, I think people they like stack milk crates or something, like. Yeah, this is like a company that took that idea and made money off of it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good plan. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to just add one little thing when you were talking about like trying to finish that book before midnight I was like talking to Barry about how stoked I was that I'd reached my challenge goal and he was like oh I make me feel so bad of myself I haven't read like a single book this year and so he was like on New Year's Eve he was like I'm going to finish Lord of the Flies which he's read like so many times but he also started it like when we were in Puerto Rico in the summer and he's like I finished one book this year so be proud of Barry he did it you did it everyone achieved their goal everyone mm-hmm. did. so before we get back to the book this is your bi-weekly every episode reminder to follow us on Twitter and Instagram you can find us at adult book club 21 it is adult book club all one word and then the number 21 you can find out all the fun stuff about the show there give us a follow a like whatever and with that we move back to the book which is once again we contain multitudes by Sarah Henstra We Contain Multitudes is the fifth novel by Sarah Henstra and was first published in 2019. She is best known for her 2018 novel, The Red Word, and aside from writing, works as a professor at the Toronto Metropolitan University. We Contain Multitudes was selected by the Vermont Reads program in 2022, which is a program that invites people of all ages from Vermont to read the same book and then participate in the community activities that relate to its theme, which is kind of what makes sense for why Taj found a couple copies, because I bet a lot of them were purchased in Vermont last year (laughs) or two years ago now as we're in 2024. So uh, on that note, before we get into it, Taj, if you want to read us the jacket, we will go from there. Dear Little Joe, on the board it says introduce yourself. So my name is Adam Kurlinski and this is 12th grade applied English. One of the courses I flunked last year, which now I'm regretting because this assignment is not something that I'm all that interested in. A letter every week for the entire semester. Dear Curl, may I call you Curl? From what I've overheard in the halls and absorbed from the general atmosphere of this school, the nickname Curl is used nearly universally in addressing or referring to you, so I assume you're content enough with it. You don't know me, of course, but I do know about your reputation, if nothing else. Okay, so we have two very different covers. So really? I, thought we had, I thought we had the same one. Yeah, I thought we did too. Okay, this Mine is what says my... from not reads, that's all, it's different. This is what my jacket says. Yeah. You undid me. That's all I'm trying to report in this letter. When Walt Whitman fan Jonathan Hopkirk and football player Adam Curl Kurlansky are partnered in a weekly pen pal assignment, they don't expect to get much out of it. With each letter, however, the two are led deeper into a friendship that eventually grows into love. But faced with homophobia bullying, and devastating family secrets, Jonathan and Curl must struggle to hold on to their relationship and each other. Weird that it's so different. Yours really gives a lot more, a lot more. Yeah, and, and the, kind of the reason I wanted to read this was because I based spoilers off of this, and I was like, well, in one of the questions, I'm like, well, this is already said on the jacket, but yours... Well, oh, 
yours is more just like kind of snippets from their first two letters back and forth. Yeah, so which in retrospect, like that's not really doing much for me of like what this book is about. Yeah, not at all. That's that's strange because they do look so similar. Because the covers look the same. Except they are, yeah. The only difference is this little yeah. weird. I guess it contains multitudes of books. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, getting into it, though, we have two perspectives in this book. So we will start in order of appearance because that makes it easier. So what did you make of Adam Kurlansky, a.k.a. Curl? Um, that he was basically like a don't judge a book by its cover kind of guy. Also, I just like kind of feel sorry for him and his like family life situation. Just his like upbringing makes me feel sad for him. Like he, having to like grow up before you grow up kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. It was weird with Carl because his voice changed so quickly. Mm, yeah. Um, with this letter writing project where he, he wasn't, as you could tell from the part you read, he wasn't really taking it seriously. He's like, this isn't something I want to do. I'm not really going to like, I'm just doing this because I already failed. It's English an assignment. Once, yeah. And I can't fail again. He's like, I wish I paid more attention last year because I would have rather done that assignment that I didn't do than have to write you a letter. How he comes off calling him little Joe to begin off, begin with. And he explains later on in the letter past where the teacher will see if she looks at it. It's not for Joe, for Jonathan. It's for jerk off because he sees all those kids that are just kind of little jerk offs and, you know, so obsessed with their own shit and, I can't be bothered with your drama and your lives and all that. Like he portrayed himself at the beginning as so stereotypical meathead. Totally. That he reminded me of like a cross between Emilio Estevez's character uh, and then Judd Nelson's character from The Breakfast Club. Like where okay. he's like, I'm the jock and like everyone knows my name and all this, but also I'm the outcast because I'm kind yeah. of like dark and mysterious. And like, well, I do have this fame from being on the football team. I'm also kind of like unapproachable because I'm an extra year senior and people are always wondering about me and all that yeah. stuff. So that's a good description uh, of the two other characters. I think that's valid, like a weird hybrid combo between those. Yeah. I will say to your point, kind of not judging a book by the cover as we did learn more about him. Yeah. Curl grew a lot. He really would contain multitudes. He, he really would. I think this book is a lot about him finding himself and kind right. of realizing that people can help him and it's not always got to be him. Like he takes on right. a lot. He carries yeah. a lot of weight, which we'll get into in spoilers. Yeah. And I think some of it you can see coming, but but not all of it. And no. there was um, quite a bit that I liked of Curl as we moved on, but also not and we'll also yeah. get into that so moving away from him we then have jonathan hopkirk uh what did you think of him as our other perspective or other point of view so i thought he was kind of like your i don't really want to use the word stereotypical like nerdy gay dude because that feels derogatory yeah <laughs> but he was also that guy he's the kind of guy that like is so comfortable in his own skin that, and I think they point this or curl points this out in one of his letters that he like is not asking for the bullying, but he doesn't do himself any favors by like dressing the way he wants, which is different from all the other kids. And like, I fully respect that you do you boo. And I and think in general kind of appreciated his overall ethos, like the whole, how much he hero worshiped his father and like just his, his cl quite clear loves of Walt Whitman, of poetry in general, of just like being a little bit weird and quirky because that 
is totally also my vibe. But from a self-preservation perspective, maybe not the brightest thing to do as a sophomore in high school. So he was very aware of himself, but not... I don't know if I appreciate that he's unwilling to change, you know, bow to like the the norms, social norms, or if that's just him making things harder for himself, you know? Yeah, he seemed to fail a lot of like survival checks. Uh, yeah. Right? yeah. Like how he stood out. I think the way Carl put it was he, Jonathan is walking around in a bubble and it's so obvious that people can't help but want to pop it. Yeah. It's that, it's that thing that you just see and you want to poke or you... It, whatever it's it's a bad part of human nature that you see somebody so outwardly in their own world yeah. so consumed in their own self that you're like i'm gonna fucking pop that guy's bubble and bring him back down to the rest of us so to your point about him being stereotypical i kind of thought that all of our characters mm. were stereotypical they played their part mm-hmm. and where jonathan did diverge from that i would say like the stereotypical thing is that they have some kind of quirky. He's obsessed with Walt Whitman. Yeah. Belief or thought or hobby yeah. or whatever. For him, it was Walt Whitman. So yeah. Curl even says he's like cosplaying as Walt Whitman because he dresses in these vintage clothes. And yeah. Jonathan tells him it's because, you know, a lot of it's hand-me-downs from his dad, Lyle, but also like he saves up when he goes to like Goodwill and find stuff. But then he has like the yeah. specific Mr. Ragman who you know, keeps specialty items that are kind of frayed or like have a hole or whatever. Less expensive. Yeah. yeah, that are like fit his wardrobe or would would work for him that he can afford because he has such eclectic taste. Like Jonathan stood out so much that it then didn't make sense when Curl was like, I couldn't pick you out of a crowd. And then after their like second communication, he's like, oh, I know exactly who you are. It's like, yeah, you could like, I feel like everybody knew who those kids were. Right. Like even just by reputation. Right. Hey, who's that guy? Like, yeah. you stand out. If you're dressed you, like a, a 20s or 30s poet with suspenders and bow ties, people are going to be like, who's that? And they're going to be like, well, even, John, I think, or something. Yeah, like, even if they're just making fun of you, people right. are going to know who you are. Yeah. I I mean, and I know we brought this up before we started recording, but I think this is the perfect moment to talk about how very similar this whole situation is to Heartstopper. Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out to me right away. And you've actually read it. I've only seen the first episode and part of the second, sorry, first oh, season. Okay, I was like, sorry. oh my gosh, you got season, more. <laughs> and I've watched a few of the episodes in the second season, but Amanda runs with that on her own. Which yeah, is that's fun. fair. That's, that's her, her thing, thing, yeah. But I know enough about it that as I was reading this and I was talking to Amanda about it, and then it got to a point where I couldn't talk to her about it anymore because I think she's going to read it at some point and I didn't want to like so curious to see what yeah but it was like we have that openly gay high school kid who gets picked on who is different who is kind of treated like that the the big difference I can see between Charlie from Heartstopper and Jonathan is that Charlie had his group right like he did have his three other friends that stood by him and they were kind of the outcasts together Jonathan doesn't really have that. He has his sister, Shayna, who is kind of too cool for school at this point, and her best friend, Braun, who are yeah. like, when they're there, they're there. And they're like, peripheral they can, friends, yeah. Yeah, they can do stuff together. And like, we learn later on, this isn't really spoilery, that Shayna would like try to keep an eye on him. Oh right. my God, you looked out for your brother? That's shocking. Crazy. But it wasn't like they were sitting with him at lunch or like, you know, unless he came to the art room to, to sit with them or something right. like that. So that's, Charlie at least had his people but then you have the other side 
which is Curl in this case, and Nick in Heartstopper, who is this sports player. Nick is in rugby, Curl is in football. And they're like, kind of, that is their, that's what everyone thinks of them as. It's like, yeah, that that's is their the identity. Their identity. Yeah. Thank you. I'm like, there's a word for this. That's where Kaja comes <laughs> in. That's their identity. And then something awakens in them and yeah. they start exploring their sexuality through this person that they meet, Charlie or Jonathan. And then it becomes an inner turmoil with them as they're trying to understand what they're going through because these are new feelings for them and this isn't what they've experienced. And when that started happening, I immediately looked at when this book was written. This book was yeah. written in 2019. Heartstopper came out in 2016. And yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, I know it could be a trope. Uh, that was kind of Amanda's point. Like there are more yeah. books out there and maybe I just haven't read them. But like it just felt like it was not note for note, but way too close and not done as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that it was not done as well. I think we talked about before, too, how Heartstopper is a graphic novel. So you're getting a little bit more from the story from a visual perspective as well. I loved the Heartstopper books. I love the Heartstopper series. I think they're precious. The one thing that's pretty drastically different, or I shouldn't say drastically different, but the the thing that stands out as a difference between Charlie and Nick in Heartstopper and Joe and Carl in this is curl so like the one that's the more popular kid or the more like socially normal quote-unquote kid is the one that has the problems in heartstopper charlie who's the gay kid he's the one that has like an eating disorder social anxiety like all sorts of mental health issues and not to say i mean i guess curl has what can call the mental health issues curl's got some trauma we'll get into it curl's got some issues um but i liked that that difference because i think that in this joe already has things going against him from a society's perspective whereas in the other book like charlie he's the one that's like not necessarily an outcast because all of his friends and his family is very supportive of him the school is not necessarily but that totally makes sense but he has he has a support system but he also has the issues. Whereas in this, like the guy that doesn't have the support system doesn't have those issues. And it's the guy that you think would because exactly. it's popular. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh-huh. that is so that fair. was like a neat little difference, but a neat little difference. Uh, yeah. the other thing too is we'll talk more about Shayna and spoilers, but even in Heartstopper, you have kind of that aloof older sister. Older sister like going through doing their own, own thing. thing. Yeah. But they're there for you, but they're also not always there for you. Right. Yeah. And it's so funny because before when we were like talking about how stereotypical, like a character we haven't brought up yet and we will later is Braun. And I literally just wrote typical side character. Like that was my. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of stereotyping kind of things happening here, which definitely gives me the whole like, how hard did you really try? Or maybe you're sticking to the tropes, as Amanda said, like. Yeah, it's just not ones that we're familiar with. Exactly. Maybe that's the case. And I did do some good read review re- oh. reading after this. And it was Did a you? very mixed bag. Um, was it? A lot, a lot of negativity, but there was some positives out there as well. Like it, it, it depended on how people took things. And there were some, which we'll get into in a little bit, that that people couldn't get past. So, Which I get. I totally <laughs> get. We are, we are hanging Croatia over your head as we, we are tiptoeing you're forward welcome. in this you're story. Welcome. So before we get to their relationship, and that's why I wanted to read the jacket of mine so I could totally yeah, <laughs> like it was said it. Uh, we have how this book was written. So the book is written in a series of letters back and forth between the boys. What were your thoughts on the author's choice to portray the story this way? 
So I think it was interesting. It was an interesting concept. I think that it made it pretty page turning, you know, at the the beginning of things where you're kind of just sussing out what's really happening or whatever, or how the story is going to unfold. But there was a point that things changed in that for me, it was kind of like when Coral and Joe started hanging out together, like IRL (laughs) outside of the letters, you know, before it was just like, they didn't really know each other. Yeah, they're learning about each other through the letters, but they weren't like interacting in person. And once they started interacting in person, the letters felt weird because they're putting dialogue in the letters. And that made it into something that didn't feel very realistic to me. Like, if I'm going to be writing a letter to somebody, I'm not going to, hey, I'm not going to fucking remember exactly what was said. I will not. Yeah. And so I will summarize. I would say, you know, like I would get it wouldn't be written the way that it was written if it was a realistic letter writing scenario. So there was a point where it was like, this doesn't work as well. Yeah, it was very frustrating. This was the first uh, kind of like brick coming off the wall or I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the first (laughs) crumbling stone was when I think it was Jonathan who started this, who said after adding dialogue to the Mm. letter, it was like, I don't know why I'm recanting this word for word. You were there. Or it felt important for me to get this down word for word, however they said it. And they're using quotations. And it's like, it's typical dialogue that you would read in a book, which is not what you would do in a letter. I, I, no. just, I don't believe that you would do that. No. I, it just seems a little crazy. Even if you say something like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. You still wouldn't, you wouldn't do that then. You would yeah. think about the letter before you write it or you would write a different one. Or you would throw it away and start over. That's what it means, yeah. Which they even say they do. But then, so Jonathan says it once, and then Curl says it. I don't know why I'm retelling you this. You were there. It's like dialogue between the two of them, which is even more infuriating. Agreed. And if that's not enough, then like Jonathan comes back over the top and does it a third time. And it's like, okay, if you had to say it once, it's crumbling. If you had to say it twice, it's completely gone. If you had to say it three times, we've now fallen through a hole in the ground. Like you are pulling me, the the, the space you wanted to create here- I am just getting frustrated because yes, I I, I didn't really touch on it because I'm just jumping on your comments, but I did appreciate that it helped get me into the story quicker. It was a page turner, like you were saying, like the fact that a lot of the pages you flip it and there's like one paragraph and you're like, okay, that was a page. You count pages. Cool. But it did come to that point. And that was the first bit where they're adding dialogue and it's like, it's messy. It it just feels messy. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. And the fact that like they're putting dates on there, I didn't like I saw the dates, but I wasn't reading the dates until it became like, how far did we just jump? Uh Suddenly we're doing like one or two a week and I get it. And eventually the semester comes to an end. end. Yeah. So the mailbox is taken away. So now they're just doing letters willy nilly to fill us in. But like something happened. I was like, wait, where the fuck were we? And it was like, February 2nd to and suddenly it was like March 28th and all these birthdays but it was hey. crazy how quickly they just jumped and I was like what the fuck had just happened here and so that if I notice something because it feels wrong that's yeah, not why you want people good. to notice it yeah so it, it did it, it felt like it was like I have a great idea this is going to be great and then I don't know how to make this work and I don't know how to execute it because so- if you pulled out of that that would also be strange too Yeah, then it wouldn't have been letters anymore. And I feel like, logically speaking, if you're going to write a letter to somebody and include dialogue in it, it would be a dialogue between you and some other person that is not the person you're writing the letter to. So like all the bits about, you know, the letters they're writing to each other, 
regarding interactions with Lyle and Shayna that they've had on their own or Carl's family, whatever. All that would make sense to send to each other, not the stuff where you're talking to each other. And that really took me out of it because I was like, if they're hanging out so much together, why are they still writing letters? And if they are, why are why aren't they including more of their internal thoughts and less of the dialogue? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you just left. And I'm writing down. I'm sitting down right away to write about this. Like to write about the, the things we just talked about instead of how they made me feel or like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> I think I get started pretty strong. And then it started strong and it turned into a gimmick. And like, it was a dive you couldn't pull out of. Again, you couldn't just, I guess you could have tried to change it. You know, again, it wouldn't have been dialogue. And then you would lose out on things. It'd be an interesting situation to see if this was done in editing, if it was ever tried. Mm. Like if you ever tried to move past it, I don't know how you would do that again. Or like, maybe it just straight up didn't work. And they're like, well, we know it sucks, but we have to do it this way. Cause otherwise it like doesn't work. I don't know. But then the icing on the cake, and I marked this, Uh was this page. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. Page 268, which is another issue. It's page 268. You are in it at this point. I think it's like 370 pages or something. So you're you're in the final third. And what it is for our non-visual podcast, it's two pages (laughs) that Jonathan is writing to Carl. And he does this like lazy scribble to, to cross out what he wrote. But it's in a way that you can still read it. I fucking hate that stuff. I hate that. It just screams gimmick to me. It screams like, oh, look how real it is. This is how it's a letter. You can tell. He just And then instead of writing a new letter of the one paragraph he doesn't scribble out, which is what anybody would have done or they wouldn't have just sent it. He like even says, like, I'm so tired of like complaining about this to you. So don't. So don't read it. It's like, just throw the fucking letter away. Just throw the fucking letter away. It Why? Really... It's just, oh, that, that was like, there's that. Now we fell through the hole again. Like we're just going, we're just falling through the hole. So <laughs> that I had totally forgotten about that. And I completely agree with everything you just said. And I want to add that it feels to me like when this is going to be a throwback, when you'd put up like an instant AIM instant message away message, that would be like sappy or like depressing song lyrics, just because you wanted people to ask you what was wrong. I did that. Like, it's that. Oh, I mean, I did that too. Everyone did. But yeah. like, it feels like that. It feels like I'm wanting to share something that I don't actually, I don't want to share. Right. But I do want to share. Yeah. So I guess it fits in with their age. I don't know. Like, I was talking to Amanda about this book and there were some things I was arguing with her and she's like, it sounds like they're kids. And I'm like, no, like how they carried themselves in different ways. This is a conversation we have all the time. Like, I thought I'd be good with kids because I'd remember how I was when I was a kid. Like, I was like, my aunt and uncle, the people who raised me, they never remember what it was like to be a kid. And now I look at my almost 18 year old nephew and I'm like, I don't fucking know what's going on with that fucking kid. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, and I've already forgotten, you know? So I look at him. That's what I was doing. I was looking at him and thinking like, could I see him being, not not being either of these characters, but like writing this way, like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this just doesn't, it doesn't feel fit. Real. And then with all these other issues, it just keeps pulling me out. This was a book I had to put down a lot, which was another issue with the short chapter or whatever, the, the short letters. It made it very easy. I was like, okay, we'll go back to it. Okay, we'll go back to it. Like, oh, and you're also the type of person that won't put a book down until you get to the end of the chapter. I'm not that. I'll put a book down wherever I'm at. <laughs> I can't handle that. If I fall asleep in the middle of a chapter because I just fell asleep, I when as soon as I wake up, I have to finish the chapter or at least get it to like a page break if that's what they're doing. 
I'm like mid sentence. I'm a, that might be that might be a stretch. Okay, that's totally a stretch, but definitely like mid page. That's what guards guards took for you a while. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> there's no chapters. There's no chapters. Just look for those paragraph breaks. Oh my god. But yeah, I think that just like in terms of the way that the book was written, it had potential. I think in the beginning, it fulfilled that potential, and then it just it couldn't happen any longer. And you'd have to take, like we've been talking about, you have to do one or the other. You have to either break away from the letters or you have to do it incorrectly. I don't know how, I like, right. I'm not a writer. Probably it can be done, but. But that's the thing. If you are, if you're doing this challenge, you need to figure it out. I'm not setting out to write a book this way. You are. So do it correctly. Like, okay. I just had a thought. So I took the dog for a walk with my parents during the week last week and my dad asked what the podcast book was and I was like it's this it's these letters blah 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 and he was like oh did you ever read and I forget what the title is somethings and Sabine Uh, we had it as when I was growing up it's like a book that they've they've had for ages I don't know if they still have it but it's letters but it's one of those books remember that book we bought that's like interactive where there's things you can like pull out and there's like little so it's like two people writing letters to each other I don't think I've ever actually read the book itself but I remember playing with it which is weird but I wonder how they did it like I don't know that it was like a relationship situation like this and it's certainly I don't think it was kids but I wonder if the letter writing was more realistic, you know? Griffin and Sabine. Yeah, that's it. I, I Googled something and Sabine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I should have done that before I brought this up, but... Yeah. Welcome to a tangent, folks. Griffin and Sabine, <laughs> a, an extraordinary correspondence, was published in 1991. It is the first book in the Griffin and Sabine trilogy. The story is told through a series of removable letters and postcards between the two main characters and is intended for an adult audience's as some sources describe the artwork as disturbing. Interesting. Something to check out. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we should. Only because I suppose maybe because it's like meant for adult audiences, there's like a whole different, I don't know. I don't even know what the, like the, the theme or topic is, but I remember taking the little letters out of the envelopes in the book as a kid. I'm sure that there are other books that are like letters. You know, I'm sure that this this style is a thing. This is what it's opened up to us too. It's just the genre of letters that we're now going to go pick through. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've been talking about this wasn't done in a way that we think is correct. That sounds rude. Realistic. I don't think that this was done realistically. And I wonder if other books where letters are the medium are better. (laughs) We didn't think it worked. But again, not an author. So, yeah. Also, yeah. like our subjective opinions. This is why it's our podcast where we yeah, have to right. talk about the shit we like and don't like. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Moving on from that, before we continue down that dark rabbit hole, let's get into <laughs> it. So the relationship is talked about on my jacket, so I can bring it up here. <laughs> what did you think about their relationship as it started? Um, I thought it was predictable was what I wrote down. I think that I was a little surprised by Curl's sort of lack of supreme hesitancy or questioning. He was just sort of like, I'm into this guy. I'm going to do this thing. And there wasn't a whole lot of like, I'm not sure if I'm gay. I'm not like, he doesn't really ever come out and say that. Again, that could just be his voice. Like you were talking about before, he, we don't really get 
as deep into Carl as we do with Joe because he's not as forthcoming with stuff, which totally tracks for his background and whatever. That makes total sense. But I expected more to liken it to Heartstopper again. Nick, who had thought he was straight, turns out to be bi, but has this moment of like actual self-reflection of like, what do I want? What do I like? And I don't feel like we ever really got that from Carl. He, he had that moment where he decided to go around town staring at guys and seeing if he was attracted to them and <laughs> comes to the conclusion that he's only attracted to Joe, which that's not really a test or coming like, yeah, that's, that's why not I a discussion like... or introspective at all. That's just like, hey, does anybody else tickle my fancy? And the only other thing we know about him is that he had at least one girlfriend that they broke up when he didn't graduate and she was going to college somewhere else, uh, mm-hmm. like out of state. So it didn't make sense. That That's the only relationships we know about. I definitely left this wondering if Curl is bisexual or if he's just gay. It, it didn't seem like you're saying just in the show, you see Nick go through that yes. in Heartstopper, like with Pirates of the Caribbean, which I thought was hilarious, where he realizes he's not only attracted to Nightly, Nightly but also Orlando, Orlando Bloom. Bloom. <laughs> totally fair. I can see both sides of the argument. But we did not get that with Curl, where we're left without understanding kind of his thought process. And again, maybe that's just because that's Curl and he didn't really share his deep inner thoughts. He kind of just, if you think back, he kind of just told us stuff that had happened to him. Yeah. Or things that had nothing to do with him. Yeah, or had happened to like things his he's brother. because things that happened to yeah. his brother who was yeah. in Afghanistan. Uh, so he looked up a lot about war and different stuff like that. But like, maybe that's just part of it. Like Curl doesn't really get into those things. But then when they have those uh, moments, those sexual moments, especially in the beginning, where Curl shows up to Jonathan's house drunk and Jonathan gives him a ride home. And then when Jonathan tried to help him out of the car, curl gets like aggressive with his belt with jonathan's belt and like basically gives him like a drunken hand job but is like yelling at him like don't look at me like don't make eye contact with me all this different stuff and you're like what is what's going on here agreed part of me i have two feelings one is that i don't necessarily feel as though i mean i didn't get the impression that curl was like don't look at me because I'm ashamed that I'm touching a penis right now. It was more, I think he just like intimacy in general freaks him out because of his situation, which we'll get in later. I shouldn't say freaks him out. He just like doesn't want to be the center of attention. The second thought, you know, I wrote down, it it was weird that he didn't have that that self-reflection or like that coming to like, he wasn't freaking out about like what he was. But at the same time, like, why do you need to put yourself in a box? Like, it doesn't, if you're attracted to this person, you're attracted to this person. You don't need to be, like, declare you're gay all of a sudden. Like, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. And maybe that doesn't matter. And I kind of appreciate that, what is it called? Pansexual? When you're just, like, attracted attracted to the person you're attracted to. Yeah. And I feel like that is relatively valid. Like, if that's the person you're into, that's the person you're into. Regardless of their gender. Which is fine. And I don't think we needed that big moment from Curl. But what, what confused me was how he would interact with Jonathan Yeah, that way, especially when they got sexual in the beginning. And you saying like, maybe he struggled with intimacy. The thing I would say doesn't make sense with that is then like, oh, so suddenly when he becomes an explorer later and is exploring Jonathan's body, now it's okay. Like, But they did want, he did want like the lights off and he did want, you know, I agree though that um, that was, I think the thing that I struggled with most about their physical relationship was that it seemed very age inappropriate 
And like, I also like didn't mess around at that age. So Dang. what the fuck do I know? Yep. <laughs> like we were cool. We were yeah, cool. we were okay, so guys. cool. <laughs> but like maybe that's normal. That's not what I was doing at that age. So like they their their physicality together in that relationship seems years ahead of where they are. Does it's that make a, sense? Like it's a it, comfort in their own skin, which Carl had his own issues, but like just how when they were together it didn't seem that way. And maybe yeah. it, Maybe it's also you remembering it in the letter where it's different. You can portray it however you want. I'm just thinking yeah. that. I didn't think of that while I was reading it. While I was reading it, I was like, this doesn't, this isn't how high school was. High school was like awkwardly fumbling. Don't look at me. Like my body is hideous. I don't know what's happening. It was like, childish. There's yeah. hair everywhere and what the hell's going on. Like high school was fucking miserable. Like I can't imagine. Yeah. Anyway, the point being with all of this, what took me off was it seemed like we went every direction, but never yeah. really got a reason for any of it where yeah. it was like curl would be on both sides of the fence. And we never really knew which way was really, you know, how we really felt or which how way was what or why he was doing these things. Like it just confused me because I didn't know at what point we were seeing the real curl or like, was he dealing with the mental block or whatever? Like, well, and I not, think not getting inside of his head didn't really help to understand what he was him as a their yeah. part, his part yeah. in the relationship or whatever like it, it's also tough to talk about like I don't want to make him sound like a bad guy but it was just like I didn't understand what the author was trying to portray about curl I guess yeah. I, I feel like she gave us both sides of it well and I feel like that's part of the, it goes back to the problem with like the letters and the fact that so much of their what we saw of their relationship was them both recounting like the dialogue and things that happened between them rather than being like here's why I did this yeah. or like you know like giving us Oh, this is probably spoilers, so I'm not going to say it now. But there's one moment where, like, it would totally have made sense instead of recounting what happened, which, of course, for the reader is helpful because then you know what happened. Yeah. It would, If it was a real letter, you'd be saying, like, this is where my head was at during that moment. There was at least a couple parts where they did that, where they're, like, during more. their... There's many apologies in this story yeah. where they're, like, apologizing and they're trying to do that. But, like you're saying, it wasn't there enough like it, you told more us of the that. story like, that's a letter yeah you didn't tell us what was behind it yeah the, the last and biggest thing that affected me was their age gap which yeah. curl is 18 plus he is a second time senior, senior in high school yeah super senior jonathan is like 15 to 16 he may or may that's not cool. have his learner's permit like he even points out that he doesn't have his driver's license and I think he has his learner's he permit. He does have his learner's permit. Yeah, I'm not supposed to like, I don't think somebody drunk in the passenger seat is like a viable, you know, chaperone or whatever. So 15 and a half, maybe 16. That is such a big difference then. I just, what you were saying, like, yes, I agree. It's a very big age difference between them, which just feels weird. But another like pull away from maybe reality again in high school when I was that age, I was not drinking, but there was so much underage shenanigans in this book, like so much condoned by parents, which like, to be fair, my parents were really great about not saying no so much that I would have like gone the opposite and like gone out and gotten really fucked up. They were very much like, if you're going to do drugs, you're going to do them in my house. And like, yeah. I was allowed to have a glass of champagne and you, you know, like that is one thing being like, Hey guys, you want to smoke some weed? All the time. All yeah. the time. And then, like, they go out to a, a bar where their music is playing and, like, everyone's drinking beers and it's just totally normal, which, again, 
not my high school scene. I know it happens, but that's sort of what was made it weird about that age difference is like, you're not really going to see freshmen and sophomores, maybe you do, at a party where there's super seniors. I don't know. I don't know. What is high school? Yeah. I'm so old. Probably, probably you do, just not in our experience. There were parties. I don't think there are parties in my What house. are parties? <laughs> you, no, not everybody stayed home on Friday nights to watch Farscape or just me? Okay, cool. Nice. I had to go to my grandmother's every Friday, so similar, <laughs> similar party. But their age difference really stood out to me. And the thing <laughs> that I didn't like about it was Jonathan talks about how he has experience with like communicating in a relationship. Like his longest was like this boy he met at a summer camp and like they did more with like talking dirty via text. Or, yeah. Then they actually did physically. And suddenly he's like a virtuoso when it comes to curl anyway, but he didn't have much experience. Again, curl had a girlfriend. We don't know what else. Very zero to 60. Their whole, like it felt aggressive. Yeah. Like, and I know like, because when a you're new love and you're very yes. like, it felt, but that felt like middle school where you're like, I kissed her. Oh, I love you. You know, yeah. we're like curl, like three months of knowing each other, not even like, not even together, like three months of knowing each other. He's like, I love you. See that very red doohickey. <laughs> I do hickey this one moment where I think this was, yeah, curl says this, which I think is like one of those weird moments where you're like, Ooh he like is sharing something about himself so a word kept flashing in my head one word over and over like a flashing neon sign lucky i don't know how to describe it joe lucky 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 my whole body wanted to crawl inside your whole body just to share all this luckiness with you and i was like well what's what's the date, what's the date on that letter? Oh, december 1st okay so their first letter is august 27th so yeah. three months which like i think the beginning of that was just letters which means that like a chunk of this, it, and I, it's again, like, yeah, by the time they started like hanging out, it was maybe yeah. a month or two after, like probably, I don't know, six, six to eight weeks, I would guess from when they started exchanging letters. So that's like a month of them. But once they started hanging out, it like, it, it happens fast. Really ratcheted up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the kind of shit I say to my dog, <laughs> who I love unconditionally. Like I want to tear all our skin off and wear it. Aggression. But like, to say to another human, like, oh, I don't know. Also, like, y'all are kids. Yeah. But, and that's kind of the thing that struck me was, well, Curl was the older one. He kind of acted like the younger one in the relationship. And maybe that's because with the limited experience Jonathan did have as an openly gay person was more than what Curl had. So maybe he was leaning on him for that. But it, it just felt like Jonathan is now looking up to Curl as like this older, again, like he has a status. He has an identity at their high school where Jonathan Social. does not. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and now this guy's like saying, I love you. Like he didn't say I die for you, but that's what I'm getting the feeling of. Like I do anything for you. Like all that stuff. Like it just felt oh. really inappropriate. So I feel, I, yes, I feel like there's something to be said for Curl's sort of like stunted, his family life has created this scenario where like probably he doesn't really get told I love you often, maybe just yeah. by his mom. But like even his brothers, who I think he does care about and they care about him, even between them, I don't think Curl really understood just how much they cared about him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he's had much of that in his life. So I think probably it's a little bit of like you said before, he's the older one, but he's sort of emotionally younger. Yeah. And and not mentally younger, but you know what I mean? Emotionally younger for sure. But also like Jonathan has always struck me as more secure in his own self. Yeah. And Curl is just like 
trying to get by and doesn't have time to think about himself. Fair. The last thing I wanted to touch on with this that I really didn't like was when their dad, Lyle, believes that Curl is interested in Shayna, his daughter. Jonathan's no, older wait, sister. Curl. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Jonathan's older sister, older being the key word. He pulls Curl aside and like gets in his face about it. And it's like, you know, that's my daughter, like all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But when he finds out that Curl is actually dating his son, Jonathan, younger son, younger than Shayna, he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's cool that his feet smell like hazelnuts. Okay, I was always assuming that was because, like, if he and Shayna were messing around, she could get pregnant. Get pregnant. Yeah, I get that. But also, I don't. Younger. Yeah. Younger. Younger. So if you think he's a bad influence on her, you yeah. know, I didn't, I didn't like that, that. Again, it's a stereotypical, like, and Lyle didn't seem like that kind of dad. Like, he, right. he's very loving and protective of his children, but he's, right. like, the groovy fucking grass-smoking guy. He's not going to pull you aside and get in your face and be, like, a fucking douchebag. So yeah. it, it just felt like we were hitting another trope. Yes. That then didn't make sense when somebody else became the target of Curl's affection. Right. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I mean, that, when you brought it up, I was like, oh, it's because, like, Shannon could get pregnant, and that would, like not necessarily ruin her life or whatever but like the relationship was weird it was too fast like again to bring up heartstopper their infatuation with each other is very well mirrored you know what i mean like very similar yeah. like very intense but i feel like charlie and nick had not necessarily a slow burn but there's the clear time frame of like before it's really an official thing Nick figuring himself out and Charlie like being there for him and yeah. I don't feel like that happened in this it was very like we're here and now we're really in it <laughs> yes, we're we're doing everything under the sun everything yeah very quickly yeah so we'll get more into that in spoilers but before we get there we do have your get to know your podcaster question so let's take a break let's take a deep breath and let's talk about us so yes. This one was actually pretty easy. I've discussed before. Sometimes this is the hardest question to come up with. But I'm wondering, did you ever have a pen pal? Or was there ever someone you knew completely through text, like an old message board or early internet stuff, discussion boards, that kind of thing? Did you have any kind of correspondence like that? Totally. So I in, knew you would. <laughs> in like middle school, I definitely had like a legit pen pal. I don't remember where they were, who they were, anything about them. But like, I know that there was a pen pal scenario but the real the real thing is farscape message boards there are a few people in my life quote unquote that i only know from message boards some of which i have since met in person some of which i have not some of them i'm just like friends on facebook with them which is kind of like in person but yeah they're the one that the two that come to mind both from all, all from farscape message boards but one of them she's great uh she lives in australia she is a like competitive fencer she's super cool and i've met her a handful of times like at conventions but we're friends on facebook and we used to chat on the message boards all the time yeah she's great and then um another one was also uh in-person meeting uh she actually lives in vermont so when we like were on the message boards it was like cool to have somebody like in my neck of the woods and it turns out she lives in williston in emily's old neighborhood so like she we got together which in retrospect feels really weird because i think i was only like i mean i drove there myself so i must have been like 17 or 18 like yeah. older high school and it was weird because she's like i mean she's retired now but she um was like in her 50s yeah. Lives alone. Like, she's great. She this was, really this was before the internet was so dangerous. Yeah. 
yeah. before the predator stepped in. Well, I mean, not that a woman can't be a predator, but like it felt okay because it was a woman. She lived in the neighborhood. Like there were things that like made it feel okay. And we're still like friends, quote unquote. Yeah. We don't hang out, but like, yeah, we're friends on Facebook. We've seen each other at conventions. She writes really great fan fiction. Yeah. So I, pen pals that have turned into real life pals and pen pals that have stayed pen pals. <laughs> yeah. Well, that now reminds me, I meant to bring this up, how like Curl even mentions with Jonathan, how he's like, I didn't realize what your voice sounded like. Because they're yeah. so used to like not, yeah. you know, so that is an interesting thing when it comes to these kind of correspondence. For me, I had two. One, one's kind of a throwaway, but I did wonder if you guys did this. In third grade, we had this like stuffed animal. I think it was a bear. I don't remember. And we did this project where everybody had to like find an extended family member in the country and they would, we would mail the bear to them. And then they would have like their adventures with the bear. And oh, that's cute. And they would write a letter and they would send it back to the class. And then they would mail it on to the next family. So that's like really our cute. little stuffed animal had like a full adventure that we would then like, I think we had a bulletin board. Oh, I love so that. We put up there in like the pictures so we could see the adventures of whatever uh, <laughs> his name was. Ted E. Bear. Yeah, probably. Uh, so <laughs> in Indiana. But um, the other one that this made me think of, which I was pretty pumped about, was it reminded me of this, which is a cigar box. But inside the cigar box are uh, my letters from Alden. So when Alden <gasps> when was in, abroad? when he was in boot camp, it was the only way to contact him. Like, I think I got maybe two calls in like the 16 or 18 weeks he was there. Because wow. that was like just not a thing they did. And I yeah. remember, I mean, this was right after high school, obviously. Yeah. And getting the first letter from him, or maybe his dad got it or something and like got the, the address out to the all of us. Because yeah. girlfriend at the time wanted to write him too. And then me, his other girlfriend at the time wanted to write him. So, but I've always kept him in that because it's just something like it's a cool little time capsule of who he was. Like I can't imagine how dumb and whiny my fucking letters are that. He had, but like, because he had to write it out, he didn't have a computer. I would always write mine out too. Cause there's something about reading somebody else. Oh, totally. Or trying to read their handwriting. So it was just a cool thing that we did. And then when he was deployed, I was such a shittier friend because he would like ask for stuff and we would send him like jokes instead. Which oh, rude. Care packages are the best things. You guys yeah. should have sent him real care packages. No, we were assholes. So we like, we that sent- totally tracks though. We sent him our roommates remotes once because it fucked both of them. Wow. And like the one like nice handwritten thing uh, we did was I think I sent him Easter cards once while he was deployed, like, which isn't a nice thing. Like it was, I was drinking by then. I was an asshole. So that's his fault for being my friend at that point. But this was cute. Uh, And I I read a couple of them yesterday uh, just to remind myself of Alden at that point. And the one of the one sentence that stood out was, there's a lot of people here that piss me off, kind of like you late, uh, kind of like you before I left, and I'm also hitting them like I would hit you. Like, awesome. All right, cool. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I, Good to see you haven't changed. The actual handwritten letters like that reminds me of the letters that I would write to my parents from sleepaway camp, which they fucking kept all of them. And so one point, like within the last year or two, they had them out down from the attic and I was looking at them and like, A, handwriting's atrocious because I was like in middle school and like B, there would be like one week where I'm like, I want to come home. I hate it here. And the next week I'm like, I'm never leaving. I have so many friends. Everything's awesome. Send me stuff. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah those like the hand there's something about receiving mail like that that just really we should just start sending letters to our friends 
I, I did that during COVID. I made did it a point. You? I I sent a care package to everybody and you all got a handwritten letter. I, I so even when you send me books and you handwrite the little note about the book, though, that's I have, think I have all of them saved, <laughs> <laughs> or at least they're on the bookshelf somewhere. I'm sure they're all great. It's like Amanda's old cards she keeps, and I read like my first cards to her. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so and, cheesy. Yeah. I love you so much. <laughs> I want to be inside your skin. <laughs> I want to be lucky in you. <laughs> oh man. So on those notes, let's get back to the book. So we're going to go into spoilers. Before we do that, we have your song. This is the pot that we're going into spoilers. If you don't know the book, get out. Because this is the pot that we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what these multitudes are all about in spoilers. As the boy's relationship becomes more physical, Curl eventually has to show his back to Jonathan, which is covered in welts, bruises, cuts, and scars. Curl explains that when his Uncle Vic gets drunk, Curl takes the beating so that his mother doesn't become a target. When Curl later shows the injuries to Braun and Shayna, he explains that this is why he quit the football team, because his coach would have seen the injuries and had to report it. The four are hanging out regularly, but Shayna is pulling away. She is spending more time at a dive bar called Aces, where her mom used to play. She is performing, but only getting paid in drugs and alcohol. When Braun confronts her about this, she is pushed away, and Shayna tells her it's none of her business. Things come to a head when Curl comes over one night, but is refusing to take off his shirt. Even without doing so, Jonathan can see the fresh wounds from his uncle's abuse and confronts him on it. Curl loses his temper and punches a hole in the door and trashes the room before calming down and being asked to leave. The next week, the boys are still trying to repair the damage from Curl's blow-up when he comes home from school and finds all of his belongings are on the front yard. His mom and uncle found the letters and a poem he had written for Jonathan and tell him he is no longer wanted here. His mother tells him it is better this way, but refuses to make eye contact or say more. Braun comes and picks Curl up and takes him back to her place where he can stay while her parents are out of town for the next few days. Braun's siblings have agreed to throw a party, which she thinks will be a coming out party for Curl, now that his family knows he's gay. Curl sees it the exact opposite way, as he still isn't comfortable having his sexuality be public knowledge and begins drinking early. While Curl is getting thrown out, Jonathan is being hunted by the Butcher Boys, a gang of bullies that terrorizes him. He attempts to flee from them on his bike, but crashes a couple times while speeding downhill. His ribs are pretty bruised by the time he gets home, but he finds an old prescription of painkillers that his dad had and begins to self-medicate. Before the pills kick in, his father comes home and tells him that he just had it out with Shayna. Braun told him that she was performing at Aces, so he went down there and dragged her out. While he was there, he was arguing with the owner named Axel, and Shayna learned some things about her mother that he now shares with Jonathan. Their mother broke her leg when he was three and then became addicted to pain pills. Once the prescription ran out, she began taking anything she could find on the street, eventually turning to heroin. She fled to LA and became a prostitute to pay for her habit. She didn't die in a bicycle accident like he had told them all these years, but most likely a drug overdose in a cheap motel. Jonathan is trying to process all of this through the haze of pain and drugs and learns that his dad dropped Shayna off at Bronze because she wouldn't come home. He agrees to go to the party to check on his sister, knowing that Curl is there as well. When Shayna arrives, she is distraught and yelling at Braun for telling her dad about Aces. She is drunk and probably on other drugs and becomes hysterical. Curl grabs her and brings her upstairs to Braun's room where he lays down with her and tries to comfort her. He is also pretty drunk and begins fading in and out of consciousness. When he comes to at one point, Shayna is on top of him and instead of fighting it, he goes along with it, thinking that the best thing for Jonathan is to get away from him and that this act will be unforgivable. 
Jonathan arrives at the party and walks in on them having sex, but doesn't make his presence known. He goes back downstairs and takes more of the painkillers and starts drinking heavily. He goes outside and is confronted by the butcher boys. One of them, Dowell, begins hitting Jonathan and then takes off his belt and starts beating him with it. Curl comes down to see this and beats Dowell so badly they need to call an ambulance. The party scatters, and by the time the ambulance and police arrive, Braun tells them that Curl saw someone beating up his girlfriend, meaning Shayna's, little brother, and stepped in to help. No charges are filed as the history of bullying has been documented at school thanks to Jonathan's other pen pal, Abigail Cutler. Jonathan gets patched up physically but is in bad shape. A couple days later, he staggers into Curl's brother's bar and performs on his mandolin before smashing it. When the brother, Mark, comes to see what the noise is all about, Jonathan spends the night on his couch telling him all about Curl and what Uncle Vic has done to him. Mark calls Curl the next day and tells him that he'll be coming to stay with him. Meanwhile, the boys aren't talking face-to-face, but are still writing letters, with Braun working as a courier. Shayna goes to live with Aunt Gloria because she can't be around her father anymore. While she is gone, the memorial for Prince happens, and Braun drags Jonathan there, where he plays some songs with his dad's band. He talks to one of the members, who tells him more about his mom, and about how many times his dad went out to try and bring her back, and once she stopped receiving him, how he paid for other friends and family to go out and try as well. There was just no saving her. Some weeks go by and Curl receives a letter from the University of Minnesota inviting him up for an interview. His teacher had nominated him for a special scholarship for kids who wouldn't normally get into college. He never wrote the necessary essay, but when he gets into the interview, he realizes Jonathan sent all of his letters to the committee and because of this, they offer him the scholarship. He and his brothers are over the moon and Curl is determined to pay Jonathan back. He gets him a special exemption to attend the summer poetry program even though he's only 16. When he tells Jonathan the news, it's their first time face-to-face since the night of Braun's party. Curl tells Jonathan that he was wrong and that they are better together and should remain that way, but Jonathan is freaked out and hides from him. A few days pass, and Jonathan hunts Curl down and confronts him about it. Curl says he should do the program by himself because it's a big opportunity, but Jonathan shuts him down and says they should do it together, but only if they sign a contract he's written declaring that they will attend together and dare to be together ever dauntless, among other things. That's a lot of spoilers for like. The contract made no sense to me. <laughs> Get that out of the way. We'll we'll deal with that in a little bit. <laughs> what did you say? I said that contract made no sense to me, but we'll deal oh. with that a little later. We got plenty to get to. So there's a lot to go into. Hey, great, great lead up, Russ. There's a lot to get into before we get into the big blow up, but let's talk about the events leading up to it. So let's start off with Jonathan and Curl's relationship as it grew. What stood out to you if there were things we didn't touch on before? Yeah, I was going to say, we. I think we covered most of the things. I mean, I think the thing that stood out the most to me was the zero to 60, just so fast paced. And the not necessarily the age gap that I don't think bothered me as much as it did you the age inappropriateness or in inaccuracy felt more weird to me, like they were doing things and saying things to each other that didn't feel like somebody that age would say (laughs) or do or you know, like that discrepancy, I think was that and how and how quickly it happened and how we didn't, as a reader, get to live through or experience really any legit questioning on Curl's part. Like, again, to harken back to Heartstopper, Nick is really struggling to figure out his feelings. 
and Charlie is there to assist and doesn't pressure and doesn't push. And like they have conversations about that, which I feel like was sort of what was missing more of that. And again, it's letters and we talked about how the conversations sucked anyway, because it doesn't make sense to do in letters. But that was what stood out to me about the relationship is that it felt so intense so quickly and so kind of not age appropriate. Yeah, the things I wanted to touch on here was the biggest thing I didn't understand was kind of, as you were saying, zero to 60 and how the relationship went. Also, how like zero to 60 Curl could go from like in the moment with Jonathan to like zoning out. And again, this is probably based on the trauma that he's dealing with. Yeah, that he's not dealing with actually from what he's been going through with his uncle. But then he like lashes out at Jonathan multiple times where he calls him the hard F where he, where Jonathan even says, like, you just used to, like, it's one of the three rules of Jonathan Hopkirk, like, give him enough rope to hang themselves with or whatever he says it, like, goes that far when he destroys his room, when he's like, it happens multiple times with Curl, and again, I understand that he's working through, or not working through this trauma that he's dealing with, and that's probably the trigger, but it's like, I can't, I can understand when Curl is saying, like, Jonathan shouldn't be around me, I'm dangerous, or like, this isn't healthy. Like, yes, girl, it is. And then for him to flip-flop at the end and be like, no, we're meant to be together. It's like, but you need to work through your shit. Yeah, like, like go go see a therapist. And, and, and I feel like at the end there, like, especially with how his brothers like swooped in, specifically Mark swooped in and helped and was like coming from a very real place of understanding with the PTSD yeah. that he, he suffered himself and the other people that he knows that are going through that. Like he has resources to help curl with that, which I think is important. But I do agree that like, maybe y'all should figure that out first and then move on to... Girl definitely needs to work on himself, which he wasn't doing. The other thing that I wanted to touch on here was the art room closet and how, <laughs> you know, the Braun and Shayna were always hanging out in the art room. So the art teacher gives them a key and the boys start hanging out in there as well. And at one point, Curl notices that there's a key to the storage room in her desk. So we could just go in there and fuck all the time at school. And again, yes, our high school was very different from people that actually do fuck so maybe people did this too but i just can't imagine with how curl seemed mentally about his sexuality being public knowledge also being like we're gonna fuck every other day in the art room closet and like again it did it didn't seem accurate to how i would imagine their relationship being yeah, and I think that that's another to compare it again to Heartstoppers. Their relationship moved pretty slowly from a physical standpoint. Like they just kissed for like a re- like like high schoolers. Yes. So I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure high schoolers are banging, but like the physicality of it, especially for somebody like figuring out their sexuality or or whatever their trauma, whatever, it just felt more adult yeah that whole like clandestine like meeting in the closet i didn't assume they were like full-on fucking i just thought they were fooling around not that that's i mean it's still pretty aggressive because you're doing it in a public space which like as a kid that feels weird as an adult it feels weird i don't know yeah (laughs) i'm also not that person still (laughs) right but i i do feel just the unrealistic aspects of their relationship were pretty glaring to me yeah and and that's like the to compare it again to hard stopper like they're taking it slow because they're kids because they're figuring it out the one kid who knows that who who knows who he is his knows his sexuality and is comfortable with that 
is supportive and isn't trying to like force the other kid to do stuff and like they don't need to do stuff because they're they're kids <laughs> and not that jonathan was forcing him he was constantly no, asking if he was no, all right no. with this but that it also made it strange with how aggressive curl was with the physical nature older and bigger yeah. and yeah yeah a lot of, yeah. lot of a lot of question marks. So let's let's kind of put the hot topic of sexuality aside and move <laughs> to lighter, greener pastures and talk about parental abuse. Wait. Yeah. What? Okay. I was like, <laughs> the next thing is not lighter. My this is how you transition. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, uh, we learn. Uh, and I, I thought this was a very obvious thing from the get go. Oh, yeah. uh, this, the, I don't. There was a lot in this. So like kind of what you were saying about how like they're kids, but they would seem very adult yeah. in certain things. And then like nobody Stopped. saw that Curl was being abused. Like all the fights he got in, but nobody ever saw the other guy and how he has black eyes and all this other stuff. And it's like, dude, obviously this kid is being abused. There's so many red flags here. Okay. So the story that he tells Braun and Shayna and jo- Joe about it's not a story. Yeah. How he explains that he's like taking the brunt of Uncle Victor's abuse and the reason for quitting the football team. That coach, he said to his face, you have to report things. And then he walked away and quit the team. Yeah. Coach, follow the fuck up. Yeah. Follow up. And how is nobody following up with it? That's like, what I mean. Star player. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter that he quit the team. Follow up that's your that's the point you're supposed to look out for the kids you know and like he said he he as much showed you as saying those words then you have to report it he's giving you what you need like yeah i'm sure you'd have to see it to like actually report it but you could at least start some kind of something yeah that's very frustrating and the kicking them out really pissed me off too but that was also like very not necessarily saw it coming but like it makes total sense that that douche nozzle would be like, I can't have a gay kid in my house. But I do almost wonder, like his mother saying it's better this way. I almost wonder if that's her way of protecting him. Protecting him. I thought like, that too. In that moment, she can't show. Any, like she's under Uncle Vic's thumb too. You know, yes. so she, she's not going to be able to speak out or whatever. So I, I think in a way she was protecting him. And like how he sees that she had read all the letters. Uncle Vic had only found the note, so or the the poem he was writing. So who yeah. knows how long she was reading the letters? Like I, I think his mother would have been more accepting. It's just in the situation she's found oh, herself. I agree. In, which no, I agree. Time out on that if we can talk about that. So Curl's yeah. father dies, and Uncle Victor is his uncle, and yep. then within a year or so, Uncle Victor yep. is now his stepdad. Yep. Not who the, like first of all, what is with this woman and people fucking siblings? Like first of all. <laughs> Let's look at that because it happens twice in this book, as we can now That's discuss. True. That was super fucked up. And like, I can understand the mother, like not knowing what to do, but like they weren't first, they weren't generation. the first generation immigrants, right? They were second generation at least. Cause he talks about how it's like the, the blankety or maybe his mom came over with his grandma, but the, the, the quilt he has is like his grandmother's or something. I think that, yeah, but maternal grandmother, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah it's, so, so, I think, so maybe maybe she is first generation. So I think maybe there. the Kurlanskis are not first generation, but I think she yes. might be. First okay. So that would kind of make sense where she doesn't have as many options. But I can't see like all of the his older brothers going along with that. If he's I, 15 and he's the youngest, so he was like 15 or I don't know, somewhere in there, 13 to 15 when his dad died. His older brothers were like 
quote unquote men. But also gone from the house. So they're not like. But Sylvan, the oldest, was working for the family. Gave up the family, gave up whatever he was doing to work for the family roofing. I don't know. It was just really fucking weird. And I did not like that. It was weird that it was put in there. There was like a lot of stuff that was pretty uncomfortable that we just kind of (laughs) like. Yeah, that girl's like, well, this is my life. You know, this is how it works. So, yeah. uh, Yeah, I think. What took away from the abuse was that it wasn't shocking. Yeah. And that it was shocking. It was so shocking to everybody else. It's like, how have, how has nobody yeah. found, like, even his brothers, like, I know their relationship wasn't great, but like, Sylvan How did you them. not know any of this was happening? Sylvan worked with them. They were roofing yeah. together. Like, what about the days back? Black eyes all the like, time. Yeah. Give me a break. Or like the, the, the mirror breaks and his yeah, brother like, confronts him and he's like, oh, I, I walked into it when really Uncle Vic like slammed his face into it. It's like, how is nobody helping this kid? Yeah, that's what I think was really interesting about when Mark stepped up to help him, that it's like, maybe they were all fooling themselves and thinking that he was really getting into fights or whatever, because like, he's got this, I don't think he actively tried to create this persona, but like the football jock, you're a big dude and you look tough. And so bruises and black eyes and stuff make sense because you're a tough guy that the older brothers took that long to do something was a little disappointing a lot disappointing yeah but i did appreciate that it was happening because just like even when he i think he said he like eventually came out to the two of them or whatever and they were like or maybe it was when he got into the school and the brothers were like so pleased because he was doing well which like i think he has this very inaccurate understanding because he's just so unloved that like his not accolades but like him doing well like, there's no reason for people to not be happy for him. I think yeah. he just so expects everybody to act like Uncle Victor that he doesn't understand that pe- most people don't do that. <laughs> yeah, his his strained relationship with his brothers was kind of frustrating because, again, he sees... They're so- all right there. Yeah, he sees... Well, but he talks about how he's, like, not as close to Mark since he came back. Sure. Like, even though he's there, they don't really talk much. But, like, he works with Sylvan a couple Ooh, times. That's what week, I mean. Yeah. And, like, I understand that, too, though, that those three brothers, just, like, even the older two probably don't they have such different lives such different scenarios that it would make sense that they wouldn't spend a lot of time talking about their little brother or whatever and it's probably much easier to turn a blind eye to all that stuff but but if your brother like quit football which was kind of his thing was his identity like they talked about how like he talks about early on he's like well it kind of sucks that i'm doing senior year again but the football team's happy and then frank just walk away and like nobody knows why they wouldn't check on that like there was a lot of red flags here that again that coach like fuck it dude you heard from his mouth what was going on and you did nothing yeah that there that was that was really frustrating so the last thing to clean up before we get to the big day was uh shana performing at aces and trying to find out more about her mom kind of just shana and Braun and their part in our story, what you thought about that. So I wrote, oh, Shayna, you troubled teen. I My think, angst. Yeah, so much angst. And like, I get it. You know, she's frustrated with their dad because he's withholding information. And I don't think that he did them much of a service by taking away all the pictures of their mom or because he clearly loved her so much yeah and i'm i know that it would hurt him to have reminders of her all around but like you're just creating this like not a martyr but something you're making somebody bigger than they need to be if you're not giving them the full story like you need to tell them that she was damaged that she was 
abusing this substance and had all these problems as opposed to like making it into something that they need to figure out on their own and then makes them feel like you've lied to them yeah like he just made poor choices and so i understand that shayna is acting out especially when every single person is telling her that she looks exactly like her mom right that's great that's they're like oh just seeing you like that i thought it was your mom for a second everyone literally everyone and like i understand that must be really tough and like i have not lost a parent so i don't really have that to relate to but at the same time i don't know that my i mean i can tell you that my reaction would not be doing that because that's just not me but like the fact that she's what uh she's a senior right so like 17 maybe 18 yeah so she's like going to this bar and like playing the um great that they're talented super cool but yeah. like this dude is just paying her in drugs and alcohol like somebody arrest that man <laughs> yeah and he was the known like they knew yeah. the dealer everybody him. knows that he's the guy yeah. yeah cool my issue with all of this i don't understand lyle destroying all the pictures i feel like yeah. those would come in handy someday and like i think even jonathan says like i think it's something he regrets fine but when they're at Aunt Gloria's who's like their Finding mother's me. great aunt or something yeah. they're their great aunt however it worked she has pictures so like Lyle could have found things to show them like yes there were yes so uh, and I like from experience you can get away with a lot when people are kids but when they get to a certain point they have questions yeah and, and you need to I, answer them you, need you can't to- just be like You can't just be like bicycle accident, especially in this day and age. Like this is current day. You can Google accidents, believe it or not. Hey, look, I don't see any accident where mom died, you know? And both of his kids are not stupid. Like they're not dumb. They're going to figure something out. So Jonathan was like five. So it was like 10 years ago. Like you've had time to prepare. Like I I don't, with how much Lyle loved them, because he really, really did. He really loved their mother. I don't see him not being prepared for this, especially as like Jonathan even talks about how Shayna is like going further down the drain, whatever. She's been circling the drain for like a year and now she's like really like you're telling me Lyle doesn't notice that in his green haze. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do anything. Like, give me a fucking break. I don't know. Their their family relationships didn't make sense because I felt like they loved each other so much, but then didn't do anything about it or didn't show. It's like they never really like talked about anything which you can do but then when you still see people in crisis you step up like that's how yeah. family works so and the thing that i don't understand is how he thinks or whatever lyle is like so adamant about not telling them what really happened to their mom like that would be a doing them a service because it's the truth and they deserve to know that and b like it's not as though he was trying to like save himself from looking bad because he didn't do anything like in fact he was the one that was like really trying to make things better whatever like bring her back and all that and i also understand maybe some of his hesitancy surrounding wanting them to have like good memories of their mom when like really she kind of i don't know do you get what i'm saying like maybe sparing them the fact that she was like in such dire straits at the end but like that's a cautionary tale that's a that's a tale that's important for them to know especially Shayna, who everybody keeps saying she looks like her and everybody keeps saying she's got this talent it's like be careful that you don't end up just like her remember how she died of this drug abuse like yeah don't be like her 
And then the fact that he leans on weed so much, which I know is not a gateway drug, no matter what Nixon and Reagan want you to think. But like, still, like the fact that drugs played so heavily in her demise. That's exactly what I wrote. I was like, Lyle, smoking all the time is not a great hill for telling Shayna off. You cannot live on that hill and look down and say, Shayna, don't do that stuff. Don't do drugs. Again, to liken it to my upbringing like my parents were very open about that which I think was helpful because that made me be like oh I don't want to do drugs with my parents so I just didn't do drugs I wasn't like oh my parents said no so I'm gonna go out and do them that I think it's like offering your kid a cigarette because it's like that's disgusting it's like good yes it is don't ever smoke it is right you don't want to do it now so like he's hypocritical and I get that they're very as you said it's not a gateway drug and like those are very different things (laughs) weed and heroin but just like the the slippery slope that is painkillers to heroin, like, needs to be spoken about, especially if it's, like, something that happened to your mother. Yeah. They need to know about that. Yeah, I was, and they're not dumb, which was upsetting. No, they're not. You know, they're smart kids. You could have that conversation with them. Again, it's like, you can and get old enough the now for a while, understand. but yeah, they're old enough now. Yeah. They're old enough that you have that talking. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but you can't hide that. Hiding it. They're yeah. going to have questions. And again, they have the goddamn internet. So figure yeah. it out. The whole like Shayna moving to Gloria's house and like, that's going to be better. I'm like, not really sure that I'm convinced that that was like, she seemed to be doing better. Like, I, like, I think, I think she needed to get away from Lyle. Sure, but like. But also like Lyle breaking down there at the end and like them hearing it. And then Shayna just like cl- slamming the door. Like, fuck you, Shayna. Okay. Have a fuck. You already lost one parent. Why are you being a, f- like, why are you being yeah, this way? He's really trying. All right. Yeah. I mean, yes, he's not making great choices, but yes. like. And let's get into your choices, Shayna, as we'll do right now. So yes. let's talk about May 14th. And I looked it up. It was Saturday, May 14th. And I know this because there were 17 fucking chapters that were titled Saturday, May 14th. I think you mean letters. Continue. Back and forth. Which again, Continue. you're not going to like go through the day as this day was where on Joe's part, you're like all drugged up because you were injured. So you're like all hopped up on pills and you're drinking and you're all just like bonkers and you're not going to sit down and write a letter and then sit down and write another letter and then sit down and write another letter. No, no, you're going to sit down at some later date after you've sobered up and you're going to write one letter. Now nah, I was like star Wars. There's a lot of parts. Don't worry about it. So let's just talk about all of May 14th. And if, you missed it in spoilers because it was most of spoilers. Um, yeah. So for Carl, Carl gets thrown out of his house, gets picked up by Braun and starts drinking for the party early on. For Joe, Joe is chased after school by the Butcher Boys. He takes his bike downhill, falls on it, ends up, we learn, breaking two ribs, uh, self-medicating with prescription pills, and then waiting for Lyle to come home. Lyle comes home after picking up Shayna from Aces and getting to a fight with Axel, the owner, where then Shayna learns that her mom was a drug addict and potentially a prostitute and all these terrible truths. So Shayna asks to go to Bronze house because she won't go home with Lyle. Lyle then tells all this to Joe, who says, okay, send me to Bronze house. If you drop me off, I'll make sure Shayna's okay. Okay, we'll do that. Meanwhile, Shayna shows up at Bronze house, gets to a fight with Bron. Curl kind of like picks her up and takes her away. In his letter said he was petting her like a cat which is just weird, goes in and out of consciousness, wakes up at one point, she's on top of him, decides, he goes along with it, saying that he's going to do this act because he knows it's unforgivable and it will push Jonathan away from him. So it's not, he wasn't an unwilling participant, although she probably did initiate it. They have sex. Jonathan comes, walks in on them. Holy fuck. Goes downstairs, decides to do more drugs, afraid to sniff drugs. So he just starts crushing them and licking them off the table, which is just gross to think about. Then starts doing more shots. This is the part, well, I'll get into it my comments. 
Uh, so then he goes outside and confronts the butcher boys, where then one of them takes off a belt, starts beating him. Curl sees that, comes down, beats him up to like almost death. The ambulance has come, the cops come, whatever. And then they they get away with it by saying that Curl is Shayna's boyfriend and saw her little brother being abused by these people who have been bullying him and just didn't know when to stop. And no charges ever brought up. So pick wherever the hell you want to start and tell me what you thought of Saturday, May 14th. I mean, like, as I said before, it was infuriating that it was broken up into multiple letters. I hated that. It makes no sense. No sense at all. It should have been one letter on a later date, about that date, whatever. It was maddening. I get that it makes sense for, like, the reader and, like, the the story to progress, but that's not how letters work. And that was the thing. Yes, a lot happened, but that was the thing that kind of infuriated me the most. Secondly, just like again with the zero to 60, I don't know what my reaction would have been if I saw my significant other banging my hypothetical sibling because I don't have one. I don't imagine it would be good. No, I don't think it would be. I'm not certain that I wouldn't have like exclaimed or like made some kind like Curl and Shayna didn't know that Jonathan saw that. Right. Which, like, I don't know. Whatever. I just had... There was a lot going on. I think that the most... Oddly enough, the most emphasis was put on the hurt feelings of the whole, like, it's Shayna's boyfriend protecting her little brother. When, like, that was sort of the least egregious (laughs) of the scenarios. And it makes sense from, like, a, oh, strangers are here, cops. And other high school kids. We should have this cover story. Whatever. That gets him out of jail, so to speak. Or out of trouble. But, like, that that was the thing that everyone was sort of like, oh, I'm so sorry that this happened. And, like, Brown even brought it up. And, like, Shayna doesn't even ever talk about the fact that she fucked his, her brother's boyfriend. Oh, my God. It's so confusing. That's something that you need to, like... I know he says something, he brings it up, but she just like doesn't. She's like, whatever. So that upset me so much. The banging? The bang. Because first of all, the fact that like you try to cover it with this amount of drugs and alcohol that they're all doing and whatever. But then in Curl's correspondence, he's like, I knew what was happening. Like, I kind of figured this would be an unforgivable thing. And like, obviously, Shayna is initiating it. I assume she knows it's Curl. I don't know if he's in the right, who knows? The point being, I, with everything else we had seen between Jonathan and Shayna, especially as they're almost teaming up on Lyle, as Mm. it's like, we have the moment before that over Christmas break at Gloria's where they find pictures of their Mm. mom and they're going through it and they're like, look at all this stuff. Like Lyle's lying to us or whatever. There's so much more of mom here, whatever. Lyle's a lying liar. (laughs) Yeah, nice. When Jonathan plays that mandolin because his voice is breaking. Another reason he's too young to have a fucking 18-year-old boyfriend. And he's like, is leaning his head on her shoulder. And like, they're having that tender moment. Like, for all intents and purposes, very good, healthy sibling relationship. How did we get from there to I'm going to fuck your boyfriend? And then never talk about it. And then for Curl to just be like, I'm doing it to be unforgivable. 
even in my relationship, I've never, ever, ever in any of my relationships been like, I'm going to fuck your sister to get back at you or whatever. Like, if I fuck your sister, you're not going to want to be with me anymore. Like, who the... And this is twice in the same book that this author has done this. Like, what are we doing here? Why? Why are we fucking siblings? I feel like the whole, like, it's an unforgivable thing. I mean, yes, no disagreement there. But also, like you said, the whole clouded by drugs and alcohol. And it's like, at no point can you realistically say that they were not of their right mind. You know, like they there were exactly. moments of lucidity to the point where it's like they knew what they were doing. Yes. And like, ugh. they even use a condom. Like he points it out that they were smart yeah. enough to use a condom. So it's like, it's not premeditated. I'm sure they had condoms, but it is like right. we thought in the moment. We weren't drunk enough. Yeah, we're smart enough to be safe, right? Safe while we fuck each other. And I, like you say, you know, it's this, it's the moment in time when Carl is saying that Jonathan shouldn't have anything to do with him and like, blah, blah, blah. But for Shayna's part, you said too, they have such a good relationship or seemingly good relationship. I do feel like this is a bit of a tipping point for Shayna in terms of she turns pretty selfish very quickly. And I know she's like working through some shit about what she learned about her mom and how her dad is really coming down hard on her. But like, I don't care because like you had this relationship with your brother. You should at the very least, bare minimum, have a conversation about it and apologize because you're a cunt. Yes. And Bron kept reaching out to her and Bron yes. kept trying to be there for her. And Jonathan was like, they're, the four of them were a pretty good pod together. Yep. And she was the one turning her back on them because she's going to, you know, she, I don't know. She gets those illusions of grandeur because Axel from Aces tells her, she, you know, he knows people in the musical industry and he's going to make her big. That's like he did her mom. That's like, what are you fucking doing? Uh, and again, this is where the age doesn't make sense, where they can act so adult and then like dumb little fucks two pages apart. Two pages later. Yeah. And I, like you said, Bron was like really trying hard to repair the damage between her and Shayna. Okay, so I did write that Bron was a typical side character, and I wrote that she was charismatic and aggressive. <laughs> but, and those those two things don't necessarily, maybe the aggressive part, but those two things don't really apply to me, but I really feel Bron, because Bron is, like, really thinking about the future. She's like, I want to do well on the SATs. Like, I'm not that I'm like, let's have a rally for the environment because like ew people but i can appreciate the gumption she has and she's a good friend yeah. and shayna just turns into this massive bitch who like only cares about herself she doesn't care about her best friend who's there all the time doing all these things not necessarily to help her but like to be there for her and try to help her when she can and her little brother who like they were fresh and then this dude, Curl, is like, he fit in pretty seamlessly. And it was really cute when the four of them were together, like, cooking that meal. And that was so cute. But Shayna, is everything really that? Are you just being, like, a kid who's, like, blowing everything to... Yeah. And honestly, like, yes, your dad is obviously lying to you about what happened to your mom. But, like... But he's also really trying hard to be a single parent. Your dad's here! Like, yeah. he's yeah. doing the best he fucking can! And, like, you're surrounded by good people. Like, the decent fellows, his band, are around. And they seem like the surrogate family. They seem like decent fellows. Hey-oh! That was upsetting. It's like you have... She had support. 
on support. She had people she could have turned to. If is, she was not getting along with Lyle, she could have other adults she could have turned to. That's very much a kid thing, though, or like at that age, you know, like yeah. I'm a moody teenager. I'm not going to like recognize all of the good things in my life until I'm 40 and realize yeah. that I had really good things at 18 or whatever. But I guess what upsets me about it is like I, I was a very moody teenager. What? I, yeah, I was, dude. I was fucking so dark. Don't even talk about it. Um, no. Emo? I wasn't even, no, I, I just, I had some downtime. Sounds weird. I needed some guidance. Let me put it oh, that yeah, way. Okay. And I turned to a lot of my friend's parents because I didn't yeah. want to hear it from my guardians. No, you never people, do. These are people I trusted. And that's my problem with Shayna is she had that in the decent fellow. Yeah. They could have yeah. told her about her mom. They could have told her more about what she was looking for. And instead she's turning to fucking Axel at Aces and like, Ugh. Who's clearly a bad influence. Do you feel like maybe Lyle told his Goodfellows fellows to toe the party line and like not tell them? I definitely, or while they were growing up, I think they were like, I think that's They're why starting to... Trudy or Trixie or whoever yeah, it was. Yeah, they said like, oh, you look Jonathan... like a Well, that's why he gives Jonathan the picture. And it's like, oh, hey, well, I mean, he had, he knew the truth by then. But I mm-hmm. feel like they were probably moving away from the party line as the kids were getting older. But I could see them sticking with that you know when he was when they were younger against, yeah you're not gonna go against the dad hey we're gonna tell well, them the truth <laughs> also like when they're younger they're not gonna like grasp the severity of it right. like now that they're she's gonna be graduating high school like that's the time yes. when especially if you're going out drinking with like i don't understand I, lyle was a precious little flower he did a lot of things wrong um and i am not a parent so like what the fuck do i know nice but shana don't fuck your brother's boyfriend also yes that end of sentence pretty easy so moving away from her the other thing that i got annoyed with was how jonathan reacted to that and granted i've never walked in on that scenario so i don't know how i'd react to it but again just dealing with how this felt very stereotypical like his scene afterwards was legitimately like stripped on a tabletop and put his favorite scarf in the garbage disposal okay aside from the scarf in the garbage disposal it was like scene for scene picture for picture with 10 things i hate about you where Julia Stiles oh, goes to the party and then she starts, yeah. you know, doing shots and acting all yeah. different. And then and she's dancing on the on table. table. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I could think of. I was like, now we're just ripping off 10 things I that's hate about hilarious. you. That's hilarious. The change in Jonathan post witnessing that, where he stops wearing his Walt Whitman costumes and like just like becomes a quote unquote normal teenager was like really sad. How was um, no one looking out for him then? Braun was. Braun was like, I'm going to take your turntable before you threw it away. I half expected fucking Curl to have picked up the tent on garbage day. Like, how did nobody pick up the tent? That was his inner sanctum. And like, this was already when Shayna was living at Gloria's, right? So she wasn't around to like right. see all this. But I feel like if she had been, she would have been in this weird state where she would have let that happen. And that makes me sad too. Yeah, Braun, Braun became his sister. Like, yeah, Braun, totally. Braun Whatever. stepped up where Shayna totally not there um and became more than a sidekick or just a sidekick to somebody else yeah no Bron Bron is actually like a little light at the end of the tunnel kind of character for me yeah. yeah she seemed like the typical side character but she had like a lot of she carried a lot for the team <laughs> yes absolutely I, I mean she even pulls him out to go to that prince memorial yeah like, gets jonathan to come to that gets him playing the mandolin again the fact that he like goes on that destructive streak like you were saying and like then smashes his mandolin at mark's bar it's like what what like again why is nobody why where's his dad where's lyle i, I know both your kids are falling apart fucking help one of them 
Like, yeah. Christ. Yeah. He Lyle's a mess. The whole like showing up at Mark's bar and like like passing out at Mark's house very much left field. I was like, okay, Mark, like I'm yeah. ready for you to take a front seat in the story because I actually really liked his character and I thought he brought a lot to the Curl. story, but took yeah. Curl's life in particular. But that felt very like random. <laughs> that that actually felt pretty high school. Like I'm gonna insert myself into your life. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it really yeah, did. Um, but again, this was something, and we've kind of just moved on, but that's okay. We're dealing with May 14th and everything <laughs> afterwards. But that's something that bothered me with Jonathan and his choices, because the only reason Curl gets off on almost beating Dowell to death is because Jonathan had been writing to Abigail Cutler about the Butcher Boys as well. And, and she gave that... Them she reported them right and she was the one that yelled at them to stop hitting them or i'm going to report you or something like that and whatever so she thinks all this is their fault but the point of that is abigail knows to go to curl because Uh jonathan has been writing to her about curl comma jonathan sent all of curl's letters to the university of minnesota duluth because he knew he wouldn't do an essay on it comma jonathan goes to mark and tells him all about his brother and him period curl didn't want people to know. <laughs> so Jonathan, like, again, just moving it back to Heartstopper and seeing how Charlie interacts with Nick. And he's like, we'll do whatever you want to do. However you want to tell people, it's up to you. I'm not going to do all this, whatever. And Jonathan's like saying that we'll do whatever you want to do. But meanwhile, he's telling all these fucking people Curl's business when even the readers don't know Curl's business. I thought that was so overstepping of boundaries that I thought they had set up. And granted, by the time Mark's involved and really the University of Minnesota, I guess, they're not really together because Curl has fucked his sister. Not a big deal. But it was still like you, this guy couldn't have asked to be more private and you're just spreading it out to everybody. Yeah, I think especially Especially the college admissions situation, that feels just wildly inappropriate to share letters, like, very uncomfortable. And the fact that Curl was sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it's like, that to me means that, like, Curl didn't care as much about people knowing, but like... That to me means that that's what had to happen for the book to end. (laughs) Okay, fair. Fair, I I, I don't... That was... a. Well, Curl's Curl's character changed every fucking 10 pages. So I guess that makes sense too, (laughs) whatever. But it it didn't, for what he was portraying throughout the entire book, that did not make sense that said he would be okay with these strangers knowing his business. Right. And I think like with Abigail, there's a very good chance that the telling, uh, so Joe telling Abigail about his relationship with Curl doesn't necessarily mean that he told her about like a sexual relationship. Like they could just be friends. True. True, but I think she um, said something that, like, she knew their relationship was special. I don't know. I mean, and, I and it probably, like, I don't know. I feel like that is the one that's excusable, you know, because there is there's something we don't know about it. And that, like, I don't know. I feel like, again, she was there as a bow because then he wouldn't have gotten, he would have gotten into trouble for beating up Dowell and, like, just kind of a random side character but i do feel like the sending of all the letters to the school was massively overstepping because like that is legit private correspondence like he was hiding them i mean he was hiding them at his house because his uncle's an asshole but also like that doesn't mean you want fucking strangers to be reading about how you want to climb inside his skin yeah yeah it wasn't like it was just joe's who got personal or sexual or whatever girl got there too 
Yeah. yeah. It was, I just, I did not like that. Um, to jump back to your point about Abigail Cutler and how it got him off the, the criminal charges, I said, but getting off the hook for any criminal charges was too many feisty and bows. That yeah. was my exact quote. Like, I was so, just, and the fact that like, well, there's bullying, so they don't want the kid's parents or like, you know, they don't want to jeopardize his future schooling by talking about bullying. So they're going to let go that you beat the fuck, like broke his wrist, broke his face like fucking everything yeah no it's fine don't worry about it he's a bully so you can beat up bullies yeah yeah you can massively assault a bully i mean that guy really had it coming and that whole like butcher boy scenario i really appreciated the confrontation that joe had with them towards the end about like what do you what do you want like what what are you getting out of this and totally valid totally takes the wind out of their sails i really appreciated that but i wanted a little bit more resolution without the physical pain like that was pretty aggressive yeah absolutely i i did like that moment i didn't like how jonathan like we said before kind of became a quote-unquote normal sophomore yeah uncool that happened there and like he does kind of slowly get that back but he's giving away all of his shit and like and like why is he doing that because carl fucked his sister or is he doing that because like i that was kind of unclear to me in that it's like okay this is the time to cling to all of the things that make you you yeah. not get rid of them i think he was like oh I, he's like suddenly saw it all as childish and it's like now it's silly it's the opposite of childish yeah. actually but, getting yeah. rid of all of it is child did you learn anything from your father oh, getting rid of all oh, of his oh, mother's oh, pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. like jesus christ going back to mark one thing that upset me about mark was when curl tells him that he is in love with Jonathan. Yeah. Was in love with Jonathan, however you put it at the time. And Mark's like, yeah, no shit. I knew you were gay. You had He's that. A teen beat. Yeah, you had a teen beat magazine when you were 13. And John and Carl's like, what? And he's like, yeah, dude, all the all the gay guys in the military, that was their magazine of choice. And Carl's like, there's gay people in the military. And I was like, I hate everything about what just happened here. Like the all of that was just shit. It was like so out of touch with reality. The fact A that Mark thought Teen Beat Magazine was gay. Also, Teen Beat Magazine was, like, our childhood. I mean, maybe it still exists, but, like, no. I'm sorry. Like, I had a picture of J- Jonathan Taylor Thomas in my room from a Teen Beat Magazine. That's, like, 90s. That is, that's not, like, a thing that kids these days do. I don't think. Again, I don't have them, and I'm not hip with the groove. Yeah, let but, us know, dudes. Let us know. But then also, like, bro gays in the military that's a thing what yeah. i thought I you did research about everything i mean come on yeah yeah uh, dude and he's like constantly researching military things like get out of here it's all about bombs and fires oh right and, fires and all that so kind of finishing up here with the ending i want to know what you thought of the ending of our contract of jonathan and curl deciding to do the poetry seminar together so i wrote bows on bows but also like, kind of appreciated that it like wasn't a cut and dry happily ever after, you know, it was sort of like, I mean, it was, but it wasn't like, okay, we're going to be together forever. I mean, if a guy fucks your sister and you go back to him, what else can he do to you? Really? I mean, the low, I, is the low has already happened. Here's, here's my, here's my question for you. Do you know how long it was between May 14th when girl fucked his sister to when they signed that contract? No, because I don't pay attention to the dates. I had to look because I was upset. 45 days. 
No. 45 days is all it took, where they didn't even talk about it. Aside from Curl's letter, where he tells Jonathan what he was thinking at the time. That's like, we touched on it earlier, where we pre-spoiled it, where we said there was a few moments where they actually tell you what they were thinking. That is one moment where Curl tells you what he's thinking. He's thinking, I'm going to do this unforgivable thing because then I'll push you away from me because I'm no good for you. 45 days later, actually less than that, he comes saying, I need, I was wrong. We are good together. Forgive that unforgivable thing. And then a couple of days later, 45 days from date, Jonathan says, let's sign this contract. And Curl marked some things off, which really he just crossed out their official names and wrote that their was name so that I wanted to break something when I read That was so dumb. So I, I honestly think it would have been better if we didn't see the contract. I agree. If it I was, <laughs> if it, it was just like, found a contract and we went to the thing, great. End of story. That, that being the last page, I was so angry. Also, also in my copy, there is like no about the author. There's no acknowledgments. There's no nothing. It ends at that contract. That's it. Oh, I had two readers, two pages of readers discussion, which I didn't read because I didn't need help discussing this. <laughs> um and then i, I just found it odd because it was literally yeah i have i don't that, have that which is basically everything i told you in the, the opening there's not much uh, uh, on there yeah also i have amendments like you said changing the name to the nicknames yeah it's not an amendment yeah and also speaking of the nicknames that was something else that bothered me the fact that he keeps calling him little joe after they start at that point just go to joe because before it meant jerk off stop calling him little joe that was so that's such a weird gross pet name if you want to call it that like that made me feel weird the fact that we had that moment where joe is like rushing to finish because curls in the room so instead of writing yours truly he just write yours and then he keeps going with yours, but Curl stays with Sincerely until, you know, the letter that he's going to send, he's not going to send anymore, but then he does. He signs it yours truly again or whatever. And it's like that little shit, that cutesy shit drove me insane in this book. And then the fact that if it was just there for us to see and like be like, wait, because I did notice that he said yours. And I was like, that's weird. Was he doing this? And I looked well, back I didn't and he wasn't doing that. it. I didn't if you leave it for your readers to see, fine. But if you tell people you Pull did something, out. shut the fuck up. Like, that's yeah. not how you, you can't be like, hey, because I do this to my wife and it drives her crazy. Did you notice the dishes were done today? <laughs> yeah, like, if you do something, don't call out that you don't did the fucking call it out. It really, I honestly me. like stopped paying attention to the little Joe, like the, the beginnings and the endings. Like, I didn't, and the dates, I just like I glossed over them. No, I except didn't. for the whole like continued bullshit that I was like, wait, the what the fuck? Yeah, continued. 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 That makes no sense. It just felt like, uh, to me, the ending just continued to feel unhealthy with this relationship. Like, the fact that Curl is throwing himself at Jonathan to the point where Jonathan, like, jumps behind the couch and is hiding from him because he doesn't know what to do about it. That's like you're forcing yourself on this kid. Again, kid, which seemed really awkward and inappropriate. And then your idea of, like, I'm going to sublet, so we'll still be in Duluth. We'll both be in Duluth, but you can have my student accommodations, but you really need to go to this. Yeah, sure, nothing's going to happen there. You're not going to come over and be weird when he has nobody else around him. Like, the whole thing felt super creepy, older person. Oh, you can't. How many times do you hear that on the internet now? Talking about predators. Like, this is an opportunity you can't pass up. Hey, like, give me a, I don't know, man. So, like. I, I felt like this was toxic. Part of me, when this book was our surprise book, I was like, cool. Like, it's something different. It's something we don't usually talk about. And, like, these last five years, especially, like, 
the, the conversations I have with Amanda and others, like about how much representation matters. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm happy there's a book about two boys falling in love. But there were cringy, cringy moments. But it didn't, I, I just didn't, when it doesn't feel real. Yeah. And when it doesn't feel like, it didn't feel healthy to me. And yeah. that's not, and again, I don't have any right to be on this pedestal because I'm not in this situation. But <laughs> to me, if you're showing something like this that just felt unhealthy, I guess is the way I'm going to keep putting it. Like, I don't think that's a good representation. Right. And like, to, to your point or to our point, without as much knowledge about it with Heartstopper, where it seems like it's more about them and uh, their relationship and also them like taking care of each other. Heartstopper is a very like uplifting story like yeah there's real shit that they're dealing with specifically charlie's like mental health issues but like it feels good and right and safe this not everything i I don't know maybe that's more realistic i don't know but like this the representation aspect there were two i think i think the way that the story was told ruins the representation for me because it takes away from the reality of of the situation and therefore i'm like well what what are we representing here like are we are we really doing it a justice or a service yeah and i i really don't think it did and i really just the fact again uh i wrote it in all caps how do you move on from curl banging your sister 45 days later like it just doesn't make sense to me and again like you said i guess curl maybe apologized in the letter i don't really think he did i think he just explained his thought process at the moment of doing something unforgivable. Shayna never did. Like Mm -mm. he he tells Shayna and she like just closes the door in his face or whatever. He says it to her through a door or something. I don't don't remember how exactly it went, but it's like, I just, I, no, no, I I just, I just, no, I can't. So that, that upset me. Uh, The last thing I had, which we didn't really touch on well, we kind of did was how like Shayna's just like an animal you put to the farm. Like, oh, we sent her to the farm. She just gets sent to Gloria. We went to go live with Gloria. Warhead or whatever the fuck they called it. And like, we do have that moment again where Lyle brings Joe up there and, and Jonathan goes and talks to her, but she won't let Lyle in. And then Lyle has the breakdown. So Jonathan can see that. And so can Shayna, but Shayna doesn't react to it. That just, again, she's so self-absorbed. Like, what is she really doing here? It just really upset me more than anything that she would continue to turn her back on Lyle, who has been fucking and raising you by himself for 10 years and doing the yeah. best he fucking can. Like, Jesus And effectively Christ. turning your back on Joe, too. Like, How are you mad at a guy because he didn't tell you that your mom was a drug addict, potentially a prostitute, and like died of a drug overdose and wouldn't come home to you? Like, basically yeah. abandoned you for drugs yeah. and that life. Yeah. But no, Lyle's the, Lyle's the piece of shit. Lyle's you, the problem. Yeah. Him. I don't know. I mean, that's very like teenage, like totally not understanding the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very frustrating. Wow. That was a lot. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you had anything else. No, I don't. Uh, Yeah. I didn't either. Just we touched on Braun a little bit. I think she deserves a better shout out. She seemed to be a stronger character as, as it moved on just because at first I was like, wow, she seems like the annoying best friend, but she really stepped up. She did, yeah. Different ways, yeah. Uh, especially for Jonathan and Curl. And for Curl, yeah. When she, like, went, goes and picks him up after he's been kicked out and gives him a place to stay and, like, yeah. And I she, like tried, she tried for Shayna. Shayna just didn't want she it. She did. She did. Yeah, so that's the book. That's spoilers. Indeed. 
So on that note, we are going to move out of spoilers and moving out of spoilers, but not away from the book. We are going to finish this by giving it a grade. We grade on the D&D D20 scale. So zero is bad, 20 is good. And then we add or subtract a modifier or ability uh, from the game Dungeons and Dragons that we think best fits. I will say that I struggled with this one because again, kind of like we were just touching on in spoilers, if you're rejoining, like I want, I'd liked the idea of the representation here, but I don't think it really followed through. So I wanted to grade it better based on my hopes for it than how I actually felt about the book. Like I was even, I gave it three stars on Goodreads and I really wanted to give it two and I felt weird giving it two. Like I feel weird being mean on Goodreads, which is just weird. That's funny. So in our discussion about this, I've actually lowered my score. <laughs> Me too. A little bit more. Um, So I'm going to go with a straight dice roll of nine i'm gonna go with nine i was really scared there so i took a point away from it as we were discussing it and i already thought i was being kind of harsh but uh i'm gonna give it a nine just overall there was so much about this that i didn't think was right based based on just how the book was set up the the letters i think ran its course and i don't think she had an exit strategy for it and i think it was obvious in different points where you start pointing it out that it's not working for the way you're telling the story but you're still telling the story that way and just May 14th in general and how we had multiple chapters going back and forth where it just said continued. Like, that's not how this works. Um, it was just a very frustrating thing. Whereas, like, at the beginning, it definitely helped you get into the book quicker. But the flaws were pretty evident in it. That really drove me crazy. And because of that, I couldn't find a characteristic or ability or modifier to really use. And I used this one last real episode, but I'm using it again in a negative way. And I'm going minus one for intelligence because I'm taking this out on the author who I don't know. Again, I'm not an author, but I feel like if you're going to construct a book this way, you need to think it through. And this just seems like something that somebody should have brought up, like that it just didn't make sense to tell the story this way, that it pulls people out, that it takes away from the realism where you're sitting there and you're having your character say, I don't know why I'm telling you this. You were there. Like, I don't know why I'm exactly saying verbatim with quotation marks you were there why are you doing it then or like why you know i'm writing about may 14th when we know it's not may 14th because of the state i was in then and then you're writing about it now i'm writing about it but it's continued and it's like it doesn't work and then you have that page that's scribbled out and then you have all these other things that you add to be cutesy to it and i just think that like it just didn't work and i feel like you should have seen that at some point like it just if anything it took away from your story and honestly, as the story went on, I was more interested in the story than I was their relationship, mm. uh, which is just me too, because I'm not, I don't like romance or things like that anyway. But I was constantly, I was more wondering what was going on with Lyle? What's going on yeah. with Shayna? What's, what's, what about their mom? What about this? What about that? Than I was about Curl and Jonathan. And I don't think that's what you wanted as people read this, even an unromantic like me. So I just think there were some serious missteps here that... I don't know, because this isn't a book I would write, and this isn't how I would try to write a book, and I'm not an author to say for the 17th time, but <laughs> it just felt like if you're going to go down this path, you should have maybe thought it out better, and so I didn't know how to take this away from you without, I don't know, it sounds like a dick anyway, but anyway, it's a minus one intelligence, so I'm giving this book an eight overall Again, I had high hopes for it when I unwrapped it last episode and was really excited to read something like this because it's not something I normally read but I just felt like on so many layers this thing failed to deliver 
And uh, I, I definitely was frustrated while reading it. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I also lowered the score that I originally gave it while we've been talking. Um, I also gave it a straight roll of nine. And as you say, the relationship between Carl and Joe was sort of so unrealistic, doesn't seem quite right, but I think presented in such a way that made it feel very weird on a lot of levels. Um, that that was sort of my least interesting, I was least interested in that. I think for me, the thing that really drew me was Curl's home life. And so I'm giving him a plus one for survival. Because I think that his heart was in the right place of sticking around in that terrible position and basically consigning himself to no future because he wanted so badly to protect his mom from his uncle i think that's very noble i also think it's stupid because there's a lot of people that could help you and a lot of people that want to help you like that freaking coach which like whatever (laughs) we digress we digress so yeah i think that that part of the story held a lot more weight for me than the the representation of the relationship you know like the the whole like child abuse effectively was more impactful and how he dealt with that on his own level and how other people didn't deal with it so yeah that's a 10 yeah but i agree with what you said about the author (laughs) so overall a nine i would say that if you're looking for this kind of representation we've brought it up a million times but i know it's a little different being graphic novel but heartstopper seems like a better place to start Heartstopper's so good it's very like uplifting and yes there's like deep stuff that happens there's mental health issues there's the relationship thing there's representation there's bullying there's all sorts of stuff but like it made me feel good this didn't really make me feel good (laughs) yeah so that's like i always think of it like with the would I recommend it to somebody? And I think I would recommend other things over this book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say don't read it. It's not a gore. No, I'm honestly interested. I hope Amanda reads it so I can get her, because she's she's absorbed herself into the Heartstopper world. And also she reads a lot more romance and a lot more stuff that I don't. So it'd be interesting to get her perspective on it. We're going to now move away from the book, but before we end the show, we have our usual segments to get to, and we start off with current selection. Taja, what have you been reading or listening to in the last week or so? Um, So I have been listening to more of those Murderbot things. All about them, huh? They're really fun. So there were four that I could get for free on Audible. There's like eight books or something. Um, But I've listened to the first four and they're really good. And then for Christmas, Barry bought me two like hard copies of them. And they're nice and short. They're like really fun reads. Barry enjoyed the two that he sort of listened to because my car sucks. Um, And I even got my dad listening to them. So he really likes those. But yeah, I... What else did I read? I started Bear Town. Oh, okay. Um, Listening or reading? Reading, because okay. you gave me, uh, you gave me a copy. Yeah. Um, so I'm like maybe a quarter of the way through that. Okay. Um, you talking about hockey before? I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I finished in just like two days The Woods, which I had started reading like ages ago, and then I found it on my desk, like hidden beneath some other stuff, and I was like, guess I should finish this. Nice. So I read that. That was good. Not not like my favorite Harlan Coben. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, he's always great. So I didn't hate it. I will say it always shocks me. Like he seems like a very lovely, well-adjusted man who loves dogs and that's great. But like, where the fuck are you getting these ideas, dude? Unhinged. Yeah. Unhinged. So yeah, I feel like Harlan Coben is a, I know we've talked about it before, a good palate cleanser, but also sometimes I'm like, this is a really like dark dive that I'm taking. (laughs) So I need to space them out. And I have been because I haven't read one in a while, but I feel like the Myron Bolitar ones are a little bit more like fun. Fun, yeah. yeah like, because My- Myron's got more levity, and like him yeah. and, and their interactions are like very um, like childish in a way. Yeah. So while well, there's like high stakes, it's not as high or like as vile yeah, as like, some of the shit. Yeah. People buried in fucking shelters in the middle of the woods, and well, and again, I know you, you've talked about it before, like trying to guess the like who done it of stuff, and like yeah. this one was pretty like twisty turny, and like I didn't. I remember, like, that was another one where the end, like, the last page or two, it still was, like, one more thing. And you're like, oh, fuck. So, like, the last bit, I was like, all right, that makes sense. It was also, oh, fuck, because, like, then it took away the nice little, like, yeah. happy ending potential. Well, I see it go. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Harlan. Harlan. I, I, <laughs> I love that the, the universe is created of this version of north jersey which like i recognize yeah. some of the places like we were literally just driving through some of those towns nice. but that there's characters that come back like hester crimson was like referenced and i don't think we actually saw her and like chris what's her name the like really super sexy like private eye lady she's like um, an, what is her yeah. name crispy something it's not that it's like <laughs> chris, chris. cinder Cinder, yeah, yeah. Cinder something, yeah. Anyway, weird names. You know who I'm talking about. I but do like, know who you're talking about. I just, I appreciate that there's there's the same characters throughout. Like, those characters are even in Myron Bolotar. So it feels very familiar in so many ways. Yay, North Jersey. Single shaker. Single. <laughs> I was like, Cinder shaker? And then I Googled it, and it's like, Cinder, cinder shaker cabinet. But cin- like, sure. single is spelled with like a C, right? With a C, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Single shaker. Nice. Uh, my last book of the year was The Last Graduate, which was the second book of School Mance, which we read. Oh, uh, yeah. How Institute. was it? Sure. It's... It's a thing. You know... It kept the page turning. It's, okay. It does feel YA. It deals with a lot more feelings because she's dealing with her feelings for Orion. Remember the Herculean boy who like- Yes, you know, yes, yes. And meanwhile, they're getting ready for graduation. And, you know, at one point it goes from we're going to save ourselves to we're going to save everyone. And then the ramifications of that. So there was a lot to it, but I, I mean, it was a page turner and it was like 400 and something pages, but I had like two days left after we recorded the bonus episode where I was like, I just need something. And I <laughs> I do have a book of poems down there by Jason Reynolds that I thought about reading just because it would go quick. Oh I, yeah. God, it's got to be something worth it to, to hit the mark. So I, uh, I did that one in it. I, that one and then Thunderhead are two of the sequels that I read of books that we covered this past year that I think are still worth reading. I don't know if they necessarily be my first thing. It'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the trilogy works out in both of them. Yeah. I will say that's like, as we've been reading more, I feel like I'm getting better at juggling the 
the the broken stories in my head where I don't feel like I need to read the trilogy all at once where I can like get back into it and be like oh right that's this one okay yeah that's happening that's happening so maybe it's working out for my old self where like my memory will be better because of what we're doing <laughs> uh, the other book that I'm reading that I'll talk about next time is The Book That Wouldn't Burn by Mark Lawrence. And this is a fantasy about this crazy library that Amanda read and she bought me for Christmas because we did that uh, Icelandic tradition, supposedly. So if this is wrong, I blame the internet. They're like, like the most literate country ever. Like almost everybody there has written a book. So <laughs> no shit. Yes. Yeah. So they apparently hand out a book every Christmas Eve to, to a loved one for them to then sit and read. So that was her backup book in case the other book we I had already owned. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to what's on the next podcast, because we're going to jump into that. But before we get there, we have random recommendation. And this episode is a book that you actually recommended to me that I read a few years ago, two years ago, I think. And that is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline mm. Boulay. I'm sure I'm saying all that wrong. It's B-O-U-L-L-E-Y. I hope it's Boulay, something along those lines. Yeah, sounds it right. a YA book that follows Donis Fontaine, uh, a half-native, half-white teenager who witnesses her friend's murder and then gets involved with an FBI investigation over a new drug. It also dives deep into the culture of the Ojibwe people. Uh, again, if I'm mispronouncing that, I mean no disrespect. <laughs> and gives insight into issues surrounding indigenous communities and some of the struggles of their people in current times. So what I liked about the book was it talks about Donis, who uh, is like kind of not accepted by either culture, either the indigenous or the white culture. Like she's too white for the indigenous and she's too indigenous for the white. So she's kind of at an in-between place. And she's like later high school, I believe. And <laughs> like all this shit is going on in the reservation and also at the high school where a new drug is being introduced. It also has to do with hockey. She's like a hockey player. Oh, that's right. Real there. And then this boy shows up who is like the star hockey player who's come over and turns out, you know, they fall in love and whatever, but he's secretly an FBI informant. Um, and they're kind of investigating together. But what I really appreciated was it was a good like whodunit mystery thriller but also you were learning about the different the issues and cultural things that were going on in the indigenous community. And just not just for this generation, but like the generational trauma and things that they had been struggling with. And it, it was very eye-opening, something that I still think about uh, today when I think about books, which if you can do that is incredible. And as I was re-researching this, because I think I read it two years ago, <laughs> there's talks about it. Uh, the Obamas bought it for their production company. And there's talks about, uh, making a series out of it and nice. the, the author was very adamant that she wanted indigenous people both in front of and behind the camera and oh, all that yeah. so it's it's a good work of inclusion and all that and it's a and ya novel too right i thought it, it was a YA. yeah um, and the cover is gorgeous the cover is beautiful and there are really serious topics in there yeah so oh yeah for, for sure a YA novel just very well done i believe i read that she like researched for 10 years Wow. She felt comfortable publishing. So just, you can tell. And it was a debut novel too. Like that yeah, was another thing. Was and like fun. Time listed it as like a top 100 YA novel of all time. Like seriously strong stuff. So again, it's yeah. Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay, B-O-U-L-L-E-Y. I apologize for any and all mispronunciations. <laughs> and now we can finish off this extra long podcast with what's on the next one. And this was the other book that Amanda gave me that she assumed I had, and for good reason, but I didn't because I was saving it because I thought we might read it at some point. And I did read the first 
the prologue in the first two chapters. And then I reached out to Tosh and I was like, do you think we should cover this book? And you were like, yes, we should cover this book. And I was like, good, it's good. I can't wait to get into it. Let's it do that. <laughs> uh, so it is The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab. Beautiful cover. And Mine's an autographed copy and I'm excited. I'm going to switch copies when you're not looking and just put the sticker on mine. Anyway, okay. uh, so this is a return to her best-selling Shades of Magic World. The Fragile Threads of Power takes place after a few years. I think it's like five or seven, something like that have gone by in our multiple Londons, because this is a world of many different worlds, uh, with characters both new and old. So I will say from the two chapters, the prologue and the two chapters I read were all about new characters. But I have heard that like Kel, we've heard mention of like Reese or Ree and Kel. Rye? Rye? That's Rye? how I say it. The okay. king or prince or whatever, Rye? So next episode is going to be it's great. It's been a couple years. Too. It's been many years since I read the other books. I actually started listening to uh, Darker Shade of Magic because I could got, get it for free on Audible. And I was like, I need to like re-up on this world. <laughs> uh, but Kel, Deli uh, Delilah, all of them seem to be there. So it's going to be very excited. I'm very excited to get into that. So we are going to bring that to you again. It is The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab. We will bring that to you in two weeks. We will have many, much more stories and apparently snow. But until then, this has been the 64th, the Nintendo 64 shout-out GoldenEye 007 and Mario Kart wow. episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. Keep, Keep reading. reading.